welcome to a fun, fun bonus episode of Here's a Guy. That's right, we're breaking some new ground here. Uh, you know, we've been off a lot lately with uh, Jack on his paternity leave. Um, so we decided to do something special for all of you. Two episodes this week, the first of which is this, in which we have some a, a couple pieces of business to attend to. Uh, uh, one that uh, we're going to enjoy a lot more than the other. Um, but first, <laughs> first of all, it's just the two of us. Uh, I'm Alex coming to you from St. Louis. I'm, I'm joined by my older brother, Cody coming to us from Illinois. Um, Cody, how are you feeling about all this? You know, I tell you, if you are the one person on this earth that listens to our podcast and goes, boy, I really could use more of these idiots talking shit about something that three people on this planet know about. You are a lucky, lucky bitch. Because yep. this episode is just for you. I'm I'm very excited to get to one topic that makes us very happy, and the other that will enrage us. Uh, just how much remains to be seen. We'll we'll see if we have any unsmashed pieces of equipment laying around by the end of this one. But I'm I'm not feeling great about it. Right. So here's the thing. Um, as promised, later in this episode, uh, we will be giving our review of the film Gags the Clown. Um, which was, uh, broadly speaking, was a topic on the show several episodes ago. I mean, in all this, I forgot to write down what episode number it was, but it was one where it was just the two of us. 63, I believe. Episode 63, and we discussed the Great Clown Panic of 2016, which originated from the marketing for this film, Gags the Clown. Um, And we watched it, um, and you will uh, get all of our thoughts later, although you, you may already be sensing... Which way the wind is blowing on that? <laughs> like, what our thoughts the are going to be? What we do for you people. Yeah. Let Let me just say up top, we are we are taking we are really taking a bullet for some of you who who are curious about just what this movie could be like. We're here to tell you. Yeah, and you better appreciate it because uh, this was this was work. We were putting in work. But before that, um, we wanted to. Um... Well, there was something happier we wanted to discuss. Um, you may have seen on Twitter, and um, for those of you who haven't seen, or for those of you who don't do the Twitter so much, um, we are doing something we talked about doing last year, but we just didn't quite have the material for it yet. The very first ever March Hagness Tournament. That's right. We are pitting together 64 of the past topics on the show that we feel are the top contenders um, to find out who is the most guy 2023. Um, we dropped, we had a, a play-in game already, and we dropped the brackets uh, last night on the Twitter account, which is at Here's a Guy Pod. Um, but we, we're going to go through them uh, bit by bit because we wanted to give some analysis and uh, highlight some of our favorite matchups. So um, to start with, oh, and I should say the stakes for this, and um, I, this is something that um, uh, whichever one of us runs the podcast account uh, put out there without asking the other two, but... Um, <laughs> whoever whoever wins this tournament not only will be declared um most guy 2023 but the host of the show must then write tribute poems about them and they will be read live uh, uh on this program yeah so uh also by the way if any of you are i don't know if anybody's doing this but if any of you want to like write up your own version of this bracket and do a pick em like they do for march madness um, the best bracket we see will receive what you think five hag bucks. You oh, think sure. that's a, a reasonable prize? That's f that's fine with me. I mean, I'm I'm more than happy to give out five hag bucks. 
Um, actually, let's do four hack bucks because that's the most I can fit in one Twitter reply. So four hack bucks. I was gonna say that our budget's a little tight at the moment, yeah. so four yeah. it's gonna have to be four hack bucks. We'll see about next year. Um, and I am if you absolutely don't do Twitter at all, and there's no way for you to do this, um, you can send us your your picks anyway, and I will consider them write in votes. But um, you could or like, now, you know like early mail in can... votes. I mean, but. Yeah, one one thing for for at least one person per round. As I mentioned, I have two Twitter accounts. I have one that's per. Yeah. So if you really feel like you need to get your votes in, but you absolutely refuse to just make a temporary Twitter account for a couple days, you can like DM those or tweet them at me, and I will. Um, if you're the first one to do so, I will uh, put those votes in for you. Yeah, something something to know about us at Here's a Guy is that we love voter fraud. Um, oh yeah. So- we encourage it, as a matter of fact. So, um, uh-huh. so yeah, get a hold of us if for some reason uh, voting in the Twitter, because that's, I should say, voting in Twitter polls, matchup by matchup, will be how these are all decided. Um, so follow the podcast account. It's at Here's a Guy Pod, um, and, and that will be how we do this. Um, we already had mm-hmm. one, which was our play-in game, which was our Critter Battle Royal. Um, there have been exactly four previous animal topics with the one caveat of the Chicago Mothman who didn't make it because I don't know whether he's an animal or a man, um, but for for sure animal or a completely topics, thing that doesn't exist. Yeah, um, faced off with only one gaining entry, um, it was between Old Rip the Horned Toad, uh, Chance the Snapper, if you recall uh, one of Mitch's topics, uh, Corporal Wojtek the. Um, drinking cigarette eating bear who was adopted by a Soviet um a, a group of Soviet troops and Kachi the poodle who fell from a balcony and uh incidentally killed uh three people caused uh, a slapstick chain of reactions that yeah. the three stooges could not have dreamed of at their heyday uh, as it turned out Corporal Wojtek absolutely dominated the field uh one with a rousing 60 percent of the votes and so has entered the field of 64. So uh, thoughts out to Old Rip, Chance the Snapper, and Kachi the Poodle. Uh, two of the three are dead, but um, n- nonetheless. So let's get to our, our fields themselves. Uh, this is divided into four regions. And I should add, this was a true committee approach. Um, I uh, picked the field, and Cody and Jack John did the seating. So, uh, uh, so you know, direct you your wanna... complaints accordingly. Yeah. Do you, do you want to have me do the seedings for the ones I seeded, and then you can do Jack John's? Sure. And let, let's start with yours, because the first um, the first half of the bracket is the athletes region and the villains region. The winners of these regions will face each other in the final four, and these were the two that you seeded. So let's let's begin with the athletes right. region. Cody, what are what, what kind of matchups way, are we uh, looking at? Well, just to just to pull back the curtain, first of all. Um, Alex, I don't know if you even knew at this point, but he, he didn't tell us like which brackets would be set up against which other brackets. So we just had to see these, uh, without that in mind. So for athletes, let's start with athletes. Number one, I just couldn't justify new Jack not being, not being seed number one. I mean, he is everything that you want a guy to be. Insane, violent. He is. Yeah, insane, violent, a wrestler, did a shitload of drugs, had some really wild stuff. I mean, just, you know, give me more. Number two. So this was an interesting pick, I realize. A lot of people might think he's overseated. But 
remember that when Alex covered this guy on the topic, we did not go into as much the full other, you know, ridiculous exploits this man had because that has already been so mainstream. So I just considered his guy potential, not necessarily from what we discussed on the show, but as a whole. Number two, the great Doc Ellis. Sure. Now, now I'll stop you there. Do you want to do line by line or do you do you want to go through the matchups? Let's 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 do matchups actually. Okay, I yeah. like the matchups. Okay. Yeah. So, so so number one, yeah. uh the great New Jack, he's facing off against another wrestler, Nick Gage, from way back in episode right. one. Um, and, and Nick and, Gage, and... I thought Nick Gage is basically just baby New Jack, like yeah. similar, but just not quite as much. So I I'm curious to see what kind of response Nick Gage brings against the, the one seed. Jack was very, very tickled that you chose this matchup. Because incidentally, this is a wrestling match that fans have fantasy booked online for a long time. And unfortunately, it never happened because New Jack passed away uh, last year. Right. Um, I, so, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. That was a significant part of when I was looking where to seed Nick Gage. Because I knew he was toward the bottom. But I was like, I need him and New Jack right. In, a, right. in a 1v1. I need that to happen. Right. So yeah, number two. Uh, the two seed I mentioned is Doc Ellis. He's up against Kermit Washington, who... Uh, uh, punched a man's soul out of his body right. and was subsequently uh, basically uh, ostracized from the NBA. I think him versus Doc Ellis, who's a, an LSD taking hippie, uh, probably an interesting, yeah, interesting set of uh, circumstances there. Number three, I have Ray Caldwell mm -hmm. versus number fourteen Johnny Gomes. Yep. Now, I almost, I, if Ray Chapman had made the field, I would have set up him against uh, Johnny Gump. But Ray Caldwell also, struck by lightning during a baseball game, didn't fucking die. Mm -hmm. Johnny Gomes, you name it, it almost happened to him. And he also evaded death every time. Also a baseball player. Yeah. Match made in heaven. Yeah, Ray Chapman did make the field in large part because I think Johnny Gomes has surpassed him in that quality. I'll put it this way. Uh -huh. uh, here's the, the little logical thing. Um, Shohei Otani is to Babe Ruth as Johnny Gomes is to Ray Chapman. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, Johnny Gomes almost died a bunch of times. Ray Chapman just did die one time. Right. So, yeah. you know, yeah, however, but... those two, th however, that equation balances in your mind, I think it favors Gomes. But Ray Caldwell, right, so a, a, a drunk buffoon and very entertaining. So. <laughs> Yes. Uh, so matchup number four here. Uh, it's Pac-Man Jones versus Chris Antley, the Ant-Man. Uh, two guys who could not stop being stupid <laughs> and, and really tarnished otherwise fantastic careers. Yep. Uh, I'm expecting that, although it's not on paper, I'm betting Pac-Man did some coke back in the day. Yeah. So. Almost a given. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have the, uh, the holy man himself, John Heisman, the 12 seed, taking on number five, the man who had to be beaten to death on a plane <laughs> in order to keep from killing the pilot, Len Konecki. Yep, as we discussed on our- I just thought that was fun. Yep, discussed on our episode with John Fleming, who is going to be on this show again later this week. And I don't think any of yes. our topics are going to get killed with fire extinguishers this time, but I guess we'll see for sure. So the next matchup we have, these are just two guys. This is just kind of how the seating worked out. But now that I look at it, I really just want to see these guys in a room together. Will Hill and Lippman Pike. Yeah, probably the, the best 
combined 40 time of any two topics in the history of the show is these two. Um, Will Hill number just, seven uh, is just insane. I should sorry <laughs> plays for the Arlington Renegades in the new XFL who are just playing in mm-hmm. St. Louis this week and who got stopped. Yep. We got to see a little Will Hill back in the dome. Yep. Yep. Numbers. Okay. This next one tickles the hell out of me. It's pretty fun. Yeah. We have the, the premier misogynistic douchebag ladies, man in baseball, Pat Burrell, Against baseball's first great female player, the 10 seed Jackie Mitchell. Yeah. Now, I rank these this way instead of the other way around just because, like, in real sports, that's how it would happen. The man would be given a competitive advantage. So I want to see if Jackie rises to the challenge. Yeah, the, one of the few matchups where there is a true heel and a face, clearly. We'll see who prevails. Yeah. Is the Patriarchy and, 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 going well, to... I, I'm, ro- I'm rooting for the underdog. I will openly say, I hope Jackie wipes the floor with his ass, but we'll see. In terms of who's the, the more guy, you know, that's up in the air. But that's one of those close matchups that could happen. Uh, you know, it, it could come out either way. And finally, uh, the 8-9 and nine seed, uh, Felix Carval. Uh, Jack John's uh, amiable little marathon runner versus another Jack John topic, Amo, Amo Koivunen, the uh, soldier who messed himself out of his brain and skied for like three weeks in a row. Yeah. Um, yeah, a real tortoise in the hair concept yeah. going on there. That's why I seeded that that yeah. way. Because one guy's just gacked out of his mind. The other one's taking a nap in the middle of a marathon and coming yeah. in like eighth. Two underrated Jack John topics. Um, I was maybe stretching the definition of an athlete by including Amo here, but like what he did was genuinely pretty physically impressive. So yeah. Um, so I, no, I, I, I personally sense. was rooting for Theagenes to fill out that last slot, but he might make the tournament next year. Who yeah, knows? maybe. So that's the athletes region. So, um, yeah. That you also seeded the villains region, which I think most people are going to agree this is the most stacked of the regions. Um, yeah, I mean, some of the most iconic segments of the show all are are all in here. So let, let, why don't you go ahead and get into? We have our number one overall tournament seed. Let's be honest with ourselves, <laughs> right at right at the first seed yeah. in the region. Our number one overall tournament seed this year's Houston team. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, the 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 scrappy little mascot of the show as a whole, it, it could be none other than Giuseppe Zangara. And I remember as soon as Alex sent these pools out, I immediately texted to our group chat, wonder who's going to be seed number one. Yeah. Yeah. We all know who the one like, seed is going to be. It's so obvious. fucking obvious. Yeah. Giuseppe Zangara, of course, he's our one seed. He goes up against a uh, great train robber and uh, really the most useless one of the bunch. Uh, but later on punk rocker, uh, Ronnie Biggs. So both of these guys, very ineffective at at what they were trying to do. Uh, Ronnie later moved to South America and got involved in punk rock. Uh, Giuseppe hated capitalism. That's kind of a parallel there. I I just wanted to see these two uh, try and out-stupid each other. There you go. So yeah, Ronnie's got some tough work to do, but we've seen him escape slipperier, slipperier situations before, remember. Yeah. Uh, number two, this one was just a consequence of where I think these people belonged, but it is an interesting matchup now that I look at it. Uh, Titus Oates, the two seed versus 15 seed Marge Shot. Yeah, I mean, one of the most just hate-filled matchups uh, that, that, yeah, that you could possibly... A lot of bigoted shit going on there. 
I don't know if Marge Schott hated Catholics. Uh, she was, you know, married into a big German family. She might have been one. But if mm -hmm. she didn't hate Catholics, then we've really got the entire spectrum of marginalized communities hated within that one within that one right. uh, game. That's one where nobody wins, but uh, I think everyone everyone gets a little something out of it. Coming up, uh, seed number three, and again, this was just kind of a, a consequence of where I thought this guy deserved to be, but um, I, we've got uh, maybe Alex's most famous topic that's not Giuseppe Zangara from the classic, classic Here's a Guy episode uh, number 12, A Very Foul at Christmas. It's the Moyle of Amarillo, Bob Potter. Yep. Uh, taking on number 14 seed, our good friend Pookie, in his first appearance on the show, brought us the wonderful douche nozzle that was Uva Bull, who's really more just a villain for uh, what he did to movies. Yeah. But also he was an asshole. So It, it was a little cheeky including him in, in this region. But I think uh, people who have watched his movies uh, would be will be very pleased to see him go up against Robert Potter. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think that's just Uva Bull getting what he deserves there. Uh, the next one. So a couple early topics here. Uh, number four, uh, th the guy who was such a douche that the entire town killed him and nobody cared, Ken McElroy. He's coming in at a strong four seed. Uh, he's taking on... Uh, Guy who who murdered somebody just to further his own black metal career uh, turned Nazi, uh, Varg Vikernes. I think this is one of those where, you yeah, you guys can play this game out, but I'd rather somebody just dropped a 10 megaton bomb on the stadium instead. Yeah, it, it, a real interesting dichotomy here. Two terrible guys. One got exactly what he deserved. One is just kind of out breathing the free air. So, um, yeah, interested to see how that turns out. So this next one, I thought, was kind of just an interesting dichotomy there. Um, there wasn't anything super special. I just thought these guys matched up in an interesting way. Uh, Thomas Midgley Jr., the guy who invented both leaded gasoline and Freon, mm -hmm. uh, a man who has done untold damage to the health and wellness of everyone who was alive during the time he was working, versus Jim Scott, who yeah. just... who was just a dumbass yeah like who who ruined <laughs> and uh, a lot of stuff in one town uh because he was just kind of a jackass i i want to see what someone who is a true architect of misery versus somebody who just stumbles into it on accident i want to see how that shakes out yeah so this this next one um i did not Again, didn't have any special reason for putting these two up against each other. It was mostly just that I knew Thomas Blood had to be at least a top 10 seed. He's your number six. He's taking on Arthur Gell, uh, the man who caused the worst molasses-related disaster right. ever. Uh, there's going to be a lot of carelessness involved in that that matchup. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, I, I did think it was a bit modest of you to put Thomas Blood at six. That's one of my all-time favorite segments. So we can. I, I think he is a bit of a dark horse in in this tournament. Um, and you know, Arthur Gell, it's tough because you know it's not like he was the only one at fault for the Great Molasses Massacre, but it was so horrible and so ridiculous that that um, he has well earned his eleventh seed. This next one I thought was an interesting yeah. little contrast. Um, you've got a, a man who was completely insane and driven mad by even the tiniest bit of power. 
um, and, and wound up fucking up a bunch of people's lives and murdering a political opponent. I'm talking, of course, about Byron mm-hmm. Looper from not too far back here. Yeah, Byron, um, parentheses, low-tax your... Looper, yeah. Yeah. He's going up against your 10 seed, uh, the cannibal uh, Armin Mivas. Yep, the consensual cannibal Armin and, Mivas, yep. Yeah, and, and not... Look, I would like to see Byron Looper get eaten as much as the next guy, but that's not exactly why I put them together. Armin was a guy who was by all, really by all other means, a relatively sane guy. He just happened to be a cannibal. Yeah. So we've got an insane tax collector versus a sane guy who's a cannibal. Yeah. It's a nice little flip-flop of expectations we've got going on. I think so. And finally, these two, just because I wonder if Jonathan Wilde, in his propensity for solving uh, the unsolvable crimes would have been able to figure this one out. He's your eight seed coming in against number nine seed, the golf hole pooper. Yep. I'm sure at the end we find out that Jonathan Wilde just sent somebody to poop in the golf hole and <laughs> then he turned them in. It was Jack Sean, but uh, yeah, a true battle of wills, a true battle of wills between these gentlemen. Yeah. And I shouldn't say gentlemen because we don't golf hole pooper could be a woman. That's possible. It's women's history. That's month, true. I shouldn't assume. <clears throat> and Jonathan Wilde is no gentleman. That's right. Well, thank you for that. Well, speaking of Women's History Month, I I do have a Women's History Month topic for next week to uh, round out the month. So stay I, tuned for that here in a, a week. As do I. Um, so keep a lookout for that. All right. Well, thank you for that. Those are the um, the athlete and the villain regions. Uh, again, um, the winners of those two regions will face each other in the final four. There are two other regions, uh, the history region and the wild card region. These were seeded by Jack, who is obviously uh, not on the show this evening, so I will will speak on his behalf. I will not be able to, to comment on the thought process that went into any of them, but we can make our observations. Um, let's start with the history region. Um, very deep group, as I mentioned on the Twitter. I think a lot of upset potential um, in in this group. Led off by the number one seed, uh, Lord Timothy Dexter, one of my all-time favorites, a man with um, yeah, accidentally an obvious one seed there, I think, accidentally impeccable uh, uh, business acumen, and I emphasize accidentally because none of it should have worked. Versus um, one that I have a soft spot for, one of Jack's topics, Sylvester Roper, um, a, a man, a, a pioneer in the early world of uh, uh, motorized bicycles, um, uh, which eventually led to his own demise. Uh, two, we get to um, the two seed Diogenes. Perhaps I claimed the first guy. Perhaps um, so. Maybe. Yeah, he's definitely among them. Um, the insane uh, philosopher um, who uh, loved to uh, piss and shit and fart at people and thought it made him very profound. Versus um, another, I, I I like this one as well. William Crush. Not only a great name for what happens, but the architect of the uh, uh, the publicity stunt of crashing two trains together, which unfortunately killed several people. So, yeah, uh, two two guys who had some bad ideas that they thought were great ideas. Yeah. Number three, um, one of the most badass characters we ever had on the show, Nellie Bly. Um, Fuck yeah! Traveled around the world, pioneering journalist, and just an, an awesome, awesome character. <laughs> Versus, of all people, Pope mm-hmm. Formosus, whose story really begins with his death. The uh, Pope whose corpse they put on trial. 
Uh, <laughs> no real connective no, tissue between Nelly those was two. A journalist. Like that, yeah. I wonder. Nelly was a journalist. I wonder how she would have covered that event. I don't know. The four seed, one of your all-time Probably this is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. The four seed, one of your all-time favorites, I know. Uh, One of your early topics, Bass Uh Reeves. Um, My boy, Bass Reeves. um, Badass, uh, uh, black Wild West character. um, Versus Charles Domery, another one of your early topics. A man who had very strange abilities to eat pretty much anything and everything. Um so here's what I here's what I'm imagining happen. Because Charles Domarie is a big eater of cats. I'm I'm imagining that in this movie as it plays out in my head, Bass Reeves has a pet cat that Charles Domarie eats and it just becomes a, a John Wick prequel. <laughs> because that's the kind of shit that Bass Reeves was fully capable of doing. I like that. I, I think Charles has got, if he tries to eat Bass Reeves, he's got his work cut out for him. All right. So the five seed, I was happy to see Jack give this woman a good seed. Cause I, I think this was a pretty underrated topic. Um, Yelena Mazonic, who you covered the uh, woman who orchestrated a uh, fancy dinner party to knock off a high ranking Nazi official. I had a hard time picking between her or Freddie Oversteegan to put in the field. I, I wanted to pick one of them. Freddie Oversteegan had the numbers, but Yelena's uh, master precision uh, got her into the field at the five seed. Freddie's still got a shot next year again. True. Um, In the 12 seed, one of your recent topics, uh, Boston Corbett, really interesting guy. Um, Civil War era nut job who uh, uh, wound up shooting John Wilkes Booth. So So, Yelena Mazonic, I mentioned, I think, on the episode, but if I... The way she wound up doing this, it reminds me very much of, like, a Tarantino movie. Mm-hmm. And Boston Corbett also kind of came out in the same way. So it's just going to be a big shootout, I think, at the end of this one. So uh, for the 6 and 11 matchup, we go to two early American figures. The six seed This is the- my favorite matchup <laughs> in this whole this is, field. This is pretty good. Um, the sixth seed, someone else we like to reference periodically, uh, Governor Morris... The uh, highly <laughs> respected founding father who died by shoving a whalebone up his own cock um, mm-hmm. takes on number 11, Richard Lawrence, who you may recall, the uh, a man from the early 1800s in America who got so high off of paint fumes that he thought he was a king of England and tried unsuccessfully to assassinate Andrew Jackson. I just re-listened to that I... topic the other day because I was reminded of it. An absolute all-timer. You got to go listen to it. I, I love that Governor Morris's mode of death has now become part of his title. Yeah. Because every time we've mentioned him since, we've referred to him as Governor Morris, who died from shoving a whalebone up his right, own cup. Right, Like, that That always, you know, just in case you forgot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that Battle of the Clowns. So the seven ten matchup, uh, uh, two fan favorites, Alice Roosevelt, who you covered in our um, our first Women's History Month-specific uh, episode, the rebellious daughter of, um, uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Um, she's a lot of fun versus, uh, number 10, Jack Shepard, who was the foil to Jonathan Wilde, master prison escapee in old time London. Um, uh, one of my favorite topics, uh, that I've ever covered. Real wild card of a matchup. I'm not sure oh, yeah. how you decide that. That's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Finally, the number eight versus number nine, uh, Sid Hatfield, the West Virginia minor labor hero, 
um, whose unfortunate assassination launched a uh, very crazy um, battle of Blair Mountain versus... But a bad motherfucker. Absolutely. Let's not forget that. Versus nine, number nine, Sotumu Yamaguchi, uh, you may know as the very unfortunate man, or fortunate, depending on how you look at it, that was kind of Jack's whole point, who uh, survived one... <laughs> One nuclear nuclear bomb being dropped on Japan went home and then survived another nuclear bomb being dropped on Japan. All right, so that is the uh, histor- history region, and the winner of that region will take on the winner of the wild card region, which we will discuss now. For all the people that just couldn't quite fit anywhere else, um, the number one seed of which is uh, um, I had a fa- feeling Jack was going to choose him because one of the tr- Freakiest people, one of the true guys we've ever covered, the Wizard of New Zealand, Ian Brackenberry Chanel, um, a true one-of-a-kind character who did a lot of amusing and strange things, um, mm-hmm. takes on the 16 seed Anna Sterla, um, who slipped and fell and hurt herself on banana peels a, a shocking amount of times. So we've got a fraud... Versus maybe the only person in the world it's impossible to defraud because he <laughs> never takes anything seriously ever. Exactly. I don't know how that... That's another weird little mashup there. I hadn't thought about that. The two seed, um, and I, I, I... They all deserved it, but I, I was probably going to make this happen anyway. All three topics from our very first episode have made it in. Um, we already mentioned Ken McElroy and Nick Gage, but John Leonard... I, I, I have a hard time believing that, but that's really cool. But John Leonard, the very first guy ever discussed on the show, um, in the time since, there has been a documentary released about him. Um, the man who sued Pepsi um, to try and use Pepsi points to buy a uh, military fighter jet. Um, just a true embodiment of the spirit of Guidem. Ticks on another early topic, Charles Tome, the man who um, the Sudanese, as we, who, as we discussed, have maybe the greatest sense of humor on planet Earth, uh, was forced to marry a goat. <laughs> mm. a, a classic so, topic. first of all first of all i you know jack john's not here but i i think he did charles tome dirty here this is one of my favorite segments of all time i think he deserves a higher seed also my second point alex you're a lawyer can you imagine these two guys like meeting in an attorney's office <laughs> Yeah, they're that's... both like, what are you here for? And they're both like, you're not going to fucking believe it if I tell you. <laughs> yeah, these are two guys that like, you know, there would be lines of lawyers out the door just to get involved in this. Just because they're so interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, the number three seed, I mean, just a, a, a freak of a higher magnitude, Sam Sloan, who like, I can't uh-huh. even sum him up in one sentence. I mean, just his entire life has just been doing insane things. Um, takes on Harry R. Truman. <laughs> The man who um, had his uh, lodge on Mount St. Helens refused to come down when it was obvious he was about to explode, and uh, it went about exactly as you would expect. The podcast subject that I have more identified with than any other we have ever covered, yeah, Sam Sloan, whose whole thing seemed to have been convincing people to do stupid shit, versus Harry R. Truman, the man who could not be convinced to do even incredibly obviously smart shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I want to see how that battle of which shakes out. So the number four seed, an early, another early topic of yours, uh, Poon Lim, a man with mm-hmm. a really incredible story surviving insurmountable odds, being trapped at sea and also some good old bog standard racism. Um, 
takes uh-huh. takes on a complete nut job, Mad Mike Hughes, uh, from a recent episode, the flat earther who um, built several uh, homebrew rocket ships, only the third of which killed him. Um, so a guy who survived so- insurmountable odds that were outside of his control versus a man who died doing a stupid thing that was completely within his control. I I want Mad Mike Hughes to try and convince Poon Lim that he was in danger of accidentally floating off the edge of the earth. Yeah. All right, so the five seed, uh, uh, Jack John Topic, Herb Abrams, uh, even though he was involved in wrestling, he didn't really fit in the athletes region. You may know him as the insane, coked-out wrestling promoter from, um, I believe, the late 80s um, with the the very um, unsurprising but amusing demise. Versus our, our play-in game champion, the winner of the Critter Battle Royal, Corporal Wojtek, coming in with a lot of momentum. As I said, the uh, drinking, uh, cigarette-eating bear that was adopted by a, uh, a troop of Soviet soldiers. Now, now, Skip? No. Um, <laughs> I'm, just, I, I'm just saying here, I think we might have an upset alert here. I, I think Corporal Wojtek is coming in with a lot of momentum. He's he's a great subject. And, you know, Herb Abrams has a history of being unprepared. So I, I, I don't know. He might. There's a possibility. It's an upset watch. We're going to call it an upset watch. The sixth seed, we have uh, El Duce, Eldon Hoke, um, the, the Seattle shock rocker who had many misadventures, got his, you know, incidentally had his disgusting lyrics read into the uh, the congressional record. Um, and then died by getting hit by a train. Um, just the de- about the definition of a guy. Um, takes on one of my all-time favorite topics, uh, your guy Franz Reichelt. This is a fantastic uh-huh. opening matchup between these two. Uh, Franz Reichelt yeah. um, thought he could um, attempt to do a stunt where he jumped off the Eiffel Tower and um, died. So, <laughs> and- so here's, here's how I read this matchup. <laughs> it's a guy who through sheer fucking around accomplished probably the highest goal he ever had, which is making Congress read his stupid fucking lyrics <laughs> about golden into showers, congressional yeah. record. Yeah. Versus a guy who very fastidiously studied his craft, did everything the right way. And his, the moment he tested his invention, it failed in the most comical way possible. Yeah. I just, a, a, a real, a real example of how sometimes the world has a sense of humor. Um, yeah, I, I think those those opposites attract nicely. That's going to be a fun matchup. The number seven seed, the recently departed uh, David Bodden, or as he he liked to be called, it was a Pope Michael. Is that what he wanted people to call him? Yeah, the guy Pope Michael, the guy Pope who Mikey, the guy who assisted uh, insisted for for Pope un- Mikey. He likes it. Yeah. The guy who insisted for unclear reasons that he was in fact the Pope and passed away last year takes on Rick Dyer, who is the biggest charlatan in the Bigfoot hunting world. And think about what that says. I was going to, we got two frauds trying to out fraud each other here. So that's yeah, going to be fun. I love that matchup. Um, and finally for the eight, nine at number eight, one of our very early topics uh, that Jack John discussed the nuclear boy scout, David Hahn. I mean, a pretty incredible story. <laughs> Um, versus the Collier brothers, a more recent topic that you discussed. Um, they're, they're the same thing mm-hmm. and they, they both matter as equally as one person. So, um, the, the insane hoarding brothers in New York city, 
Um, and to know more, you're just going to have to listen to the episode because it's 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 really quite couple detailed. of extremely couple of extremely smart guys. I, our matchup here is yeah, extremely smart guys with some strange and destructive tendencies. Yeah, and too much time on their hands. I think is the other consistent thread. Precisely. Yeah. So that's uh, that's the full field um, voting. Will assuming things go as planned, and this episode is to be dropped on Wednesday morning. Um, Voting will begin in just a few hours. Um, sometime around noonish on Wednesday, we will be opening with the voting for the athletes region, um, and we'll take it region by region. Well, thank you for indulging us in that, uh, allowing us to procrastinate from the other thing that we have to do. Um, uh, fuck, we still have to do this, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, we. Um, so you may recall back in episode sixty-three, Pat the Wolf. Um, Cody and I discussed, uh, gags, the clown that was, that was my guy that week. And, and it, it turned into a pretty big lengthy discussion because the, the short version is this it was that in 2016, um, some guys, and I actually don't even know the name of the guy who wrote it off the top of my head. It, it does. It truly does not matter. Um, it makes no difference. But was was um, he'd written this um, this amateur horror movie uh, called Gags the Clown and decided to do some viral marketing um, in his hometown where it was all filmed, Green Bay, Wisconsin, um, where he would have his character, which is a creepy clown named Gags who holds uh, holds a bunch of black balloons, just kind of go out in public and stand around. And at first they just like I wonder if that was a Goo Goo Dolls reference. <laughs> Um, at first, they they just kind of forced the the, uh, the the images onto Facebook, and people shared it around. Like, what? What's going on? Then they decided to do it a little more organically by actually just having their guy dress as gags go stand on some like street corners and let people freak out. And you know, within a month after it got a bunch of publicity, they revealed like this was viral marketing for an upcoming movie called Gags the Clown. But that was far from the end of it because incidentally, this launched a very stupid but very serious couple month period that was the great clown panic of 2016 in which tons of people were terrified and multiple people wound up in jail and a teenager was killed something that we will come back to in a bit i'm sure yeah um, because people were freaking out about scary clowns so first of all look here here's here's what i will say up top the facts that they chose to market this movie the way that they did tells me that this is the most extraordinary example of a movie missing its own point. Yeah. That I have ever seen. Well, and, and what's more, because I, when I was researching the impression I got, and this was like from articles at the time was that this was like a short film. I was surprised and upset when I saw this is in fact a feature length movie and I looked around. And it's a ninety-minute movie. Yeah. yeah, and I'm not a hundred percent on this, but I, I, I think what happened, I saw some references to this effect, is after this blew up and got all this publicity, it was rewritten. They hadn't shot it yet. They, it was rewritten to be a feature-length movie. And I will say, having watched this movie, you can you can tell that that is what happened. Uh, and I think that makes it even worse. Yeah. Because now you've had time to reflect on this. Mm-hmm. So I, I just want to say this in fir at, uh, the first thing, 
just to be fair, I, I want to make this point. Gags the Clown, it's not boring. This is not a no. this is not a boring no, no it's not a boring movie. Being boring is not the problem with Gags the Clown. The problem is that it sucks, okay? This movie is putrid. It's not boring. It is really, really bad. Let, let's contrast it for a moment to the other, like, bad horror movie that we've discussed to some effect on this show. Very early on, we discussed Manos, The Hands of Fate, an all-time stinker. Manos' big uh, problem is that, like, nothing happens. Gags has kind of the opposite problem, where a million things mm-hmm. happen in this movie. Like, you, it's hard to keep up with, even. But the problem is that it all sucks, okay? But it's not boring. I wanted yeah. to be fair and get this out of the way. Um, so you and I, I, I understand, both watched this and, and wrote scene by scene what happens and our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it over to you. But first, I wanted to point out in the opening title cards, I don't know if you got this. Did you see that there were title cards for like, five different production companies. Yeah. What the fuck were they uh, all doing on this movie? You know? Like, I'm not saying that, it's, it's... That tells me that they were either very small and cheap, very specialized production companies, or, like, four different production companies did, like, a, a fourth of this movie and said, no. I, I almost... My, I'm fucking out of here. My theory is that when this all blew up, like, this was the work originally of, like some film students at whatever colleges in green Bay. And he kind of just wanted to include his friends, little production companies. But my favorite titles of the two were bloody disgusting productions and head trauma productions. Uh, a, so bloody a fitting disgusting appetizer for, for is, what this would be. Bloody disgusting is actually the uh, more prestigious. It is a, a bloody disgusting. First of all, originated as a horror movie, like fan site, basically. And then branched out into, like, financing and doing some production work on on actual horror movies that were being made. So, yeah, I I am very surprised, actually, that they would involve themselves in something like this. But, you know, a a lot of horror is bad. So Bloody Disgusting has had their hands in some some very, very unappetizing pies. We'll say that. So, yeah, let's go into the first of all, what I want to do. (laughs) No, go ahead. Well, hang on, hang on. But before we start there. What I would like to do is I have written up just for your edification as the listener. We've got a cast of characters here. Okay. So I would like to go through that cast of characters before we start the movie. And and I'll say I'm glad you did this because there were a couple characters who I legit never got their names. There there are some characters I have down shorthand as like... I I do not refer to them by name but by archetype and you'll see what I mean here in a moment. That's fine. I had one down as I think clown friend and um, there's... there's, um, uh, like sick man, I think I have for one of them, but, but go ahead, yeah. go ahead. And, and, and so these are our main characters. There are other, other characters involved, but they don't matter nearly as much. So, uh, so the first group of characters is the cops. Yeah. The first character there is, I call her mom cop. Yes. She is a female cop. She is the stepmother of one of our characters later on. Yeah. That is her only character development at all. Oh, I'm gonna have a there lot. I'm gonna have a lot to say nothing. about that plot line, by the way. But I'm I'm just gonna wait until towards the end of the movie when we see how that all resolves. But I have a lot of thoughts. Yeah. 
And then I call uh, the I just called him cop number two, her young partner, who is extremely gullible and jumpy. Yeah, your classic dumb deputy. Yeah, the Barney Fife, as it if you will. Like most characters in the movie, he is completely useless. Yeah. So then we have the news team. Um, Oh fuck! Character I call. Yeah, character I call intrepid news anchor. Yeah, Um, intrepid news anchor is a female news anchor who is under a lot of pressure from her boss to get scoops here. Uh, she's the classic, overly ambitious, I'll step on anybody to get... She's basically just a bad rehash of Gail Weathers from the original Scream movie. Yeah, yeah. Heather Dupre, I think, is the, the name of this character officially, yes. And uh, also her cameraman, uh, I call him Cameraman Voice of Reason... Because he is the only one in this entire movie that has a reasonable reaction to this whole thing, which is just, let's leave it the fuck alone. Which, amazing, because he, he, you can see, is intended to be, like, the dumb comic relief in the film. Which yeah. I'll have much to He's say about He's the smartest later. guy in the whole movie. Yeah. I will have more to say about that right. later, you know. Yeah. Uh, our next group, Stupid Teens. Ugh. Because this is a horror movie, after all. Yeah. So, we, we have stupid teen number one, who is mom cop's rebellious stepdaughter, and yet also is kind of the voice of reason among her group, just by virtue of being slightly less idiotic than these other two chuckle fucks. Probably the most likable character in the movie, but as we'll see, that is an inc- incredibly low bar. Um, so, uh, stupid teen number two is her boyfriend, the ringleader of the whole thing, uh, classic horror movie teen douchebag. Uh, it gets even worse later on throughout the movie somehow. Uh, we'll get into more yeah. detail on that I, later. I, I can't remember his real name. I think For it was, no I, fucking reason at all. Didn't move the story. No. That's what really irks me about a lot of these characters is they throw these twists in there that really have nothing to do with the plot. They don't move the story along. They're just there to make, I guess, make the character seem a little more interesting. Right. But are, are completely unnecessary. This guy, I think his real name's Tyler. I had him down as Yellow Hat Douche. Because he is wearing a yellow yeah. uh, toque the entire film, despite the fact that it's like and finally, summer. yeah. Finally, we have stupid teen number three, your classic horror movie goofball. Um, he's the one who has the clown costume that will become important later. He's the dumbass who will do anything for attention, uh, and subsequently the one that his friends uh, manage to uh, pressure into doing all of the really stupid shit. Yeah, I, I never got his real name. I just had him down as Clown Friend, which works on a couple different yeah. levels. And then finally, probably the most most loathsome characters outside of Gags the Clown himself. Oh boy, these two. The podcasters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have right-wing podcast host, that is how I have labeled him. He is your stereotypical hard-right ex-military douche nozzle. Reminds me a lot of, like, Ollie North back in the 90s. I, I think, based on his speech, I think he was a mishmash of a bunch of different characters, but he definitely borrows heavily from Rush Limbaugh. And also, I yeah. I think right-wing podcaster douche is fine, but I want to point out they did name him Charles Wright, which is oh. stupid and sucks. So I didn't even catch that. So. Yeah. Uh, like I told Alex beforehand, I didn't watch this movie sober because I'm not a fucking lunatic. So, yep. yeah, I, there there might be a few minute things like that I didn't catch. But he's his big thing is he's a big gun nut. He's 
ex-military. He's very reliant on the tough guy, former uh, Marine persona. And we have his producer, who is the exact same type of asshole, just less flamboyant about it. Yeah. Um, they gave him no character development whatsoever. He takes the whole thing a little more seriously. But he was basically just there to egg on uh, right-wing podcaster douche. Yeah. And I didn't bother writing up anything for Gags the Clown, because that should be uh, self-explanatory. Yeah, he's, he's a scary clown. Okay, so, now that we've gotten all that out of the way, let, no. let's let's get into the opening scene of and, this uh, <laughs> smoldering and, clusterfuck of a film. And this really sets the stage, because there's much to discuss in the opening scene itself. Yeah. I, I had a very so sinking feeling have... very quickly that about what this was all going to be like. Here we have a 20-something couple and their asshole friend, I call him asshole friend, um, leaving some kind of function. What is never explained? No, some kind of gala so or fancy the... party, because they're all dressed to the nines. Or wedding or something, yeah. Um, so apparently asshole friend has had some kind of altercation with a Gags the Clown earlier that night. And they're talking about this uh, on the way back to the car, as people do. Uh, you, you know how when we leave a place, we like to just recap everything that happened sure. earlier in the night on the way back, or otherwise we'd forget? Yeah. They you know how some... normal people really do that. Yeah, they gotta lay some pipe. It, it, it is what it is. So, they encounter Gags the Clown, and furthermore, they find their car filled with these black balloons that Gags is always holding. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Then they turn around, they see Gags, them, Gags himself standing there, who continues to do absolutely nothing but stand there menacingly. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of interesting... Even as asshole friend tries to confront him. Now, there are a lot of ways to introduce your, your big, scary uh, movie villain, but I thought it was quite interesting, a novel approach of, like, not only do they already know who he is and have already seen him, but, like, are just kind of sick of him. In fact, uh, I think... Irritable man, which is what I had this guy down as, asshole friend, describes him as, quote, nothing but a pussy. And that will become a running <laughs> theme in this movie of people being called pussies. Someone gets called a pussy like yeah. every like two minutes in this film. It's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. So Gag stands there menacingly, and the twenty-something couple, for reasons that I could not quite figure out, starts just absolutely freaking out. Asshole friend is eventually persuaded to come join them in the car. One of the balloons pops, and these balloons are apparently filled with powder. Mm -hmm. And then uh, asshole friend starts coughing up blood. So I'm like, wait, this clown has anthrax? Yeah, so so the, the guy coughing up blood... He's just what, a terrorist, then. What, what I like most about it is that his friends barely react to this. One of them says, what were you drinking tonight? And then as he is, like, coughing his lungs up... Um, the woman that they're with says, and I quote, John, just shut up for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, if this guy were like with us, I think we'd have the same reaction. Like yeah. this guy is extremely hateable. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, everybody in this movie is, I just want to, is this what, is everyone in Green Bay like the people in this film? <laughs> I, I can't imagine. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. So eventually they are. A very poorly explained uh, stopped at the exit of this parking garage for a car that is in front of them. It, that it's implied gags somehow put there to keep them from exiting. 
Yeah. Um, asshole friend gets yanked out of the car and uh, murked. A, a couple things to say about this. First of all, I'm going to try not to do too much like what I call horror movie 101, which is like, you know, characters will do stupid things to add to it. Like, I'm not going to, you know, dive... I'm not going to over-examine certain aspects of that. I did think it was egregious that, yes, they, they are stopped from exiting the one exit of the parking garage, and yet they don't know to just get out of the car and leave. That one was pretty egregious. Not, nothing uh -huh. was stopping them from walking out of the car and just walking out of the parking garage. Second yeah. thing, you say that, a guy get, that the guy gets murked. This is maybe my favorite shot of the entire film. I need to I need to describe this properly, because the camera angle it's down on the ground. Because first of all, like they do the classic like camera drops to the ground thing, which implies to me because yeah. this whole thing is like a quasi found footage thing. It implies to me that one of the characters had a camera, which is like news to me. Um, first of all, but yeah. then it does the fall to the ground thing, and you're looking up at the car, and all you see is no joke. At least 10 gallons of blood splashes against mm -hmm. the side of the car. More blood that is in the body of any human being splashes up against this car. No body tissue, nothing. What the fuck did he yeah, do to this guy? Gags, <laughs> even if Gags had found a way to somehow squeeze this guy like a grape and just blast all of the blood out of him, that still <laughs> like, would be less blood than what you see in the shot. Like... I, I get that it's a it's not the highest budget production, but you you need to make it not look exactly like you took the big bucket of blood and just threw it against the car. But I cannot begin to explain to you how much blood hits the side of this car. It's fucking amazing. Okay, so we move forward. That's just the opening scene. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> All right. So apparently, this is a big news story. Much like it was in real life. Yeah. Uh, set, of course, in Green Bay. I'm starting to suspect at this point, as I'm watching it, that this is just like Aaron Rodgers' new life coach. Yeah. Um, the town is going nuts for this clown. Again, some parallels to what actually happened. Yeah. Life imitating art. So, then, intrepid reporter and her cameraman, they start interviewing these people on the street about, you know, what they think of this clown phenomenon. And within the first six minutes of this movie, they directly address all of the possible negative psychological impacts of having someone dressed as a creepy clown just hanging around out there. Yeah. Even beyond the mass hysteria, they're like, yeah, this is just really creepy and unsettling to some people, and some people, you know, didn't sign up to be scared shitless on their walk home. I'm like, okay, so you were cognizant of that, and yet you still chose to market the way that you did? Yeah. yeah. It, it, do the two sides of your brain just not connect? Is there just no interaction? There, that is the least self-aware thing I have ever fucking heard of in my life. Yeah, it, it's it, so much of this movie is insulting when you consider what the real story is. And our, before, uh -huh. we, and you may have more to say. Before you move on, I do have some highlights from this particular scene. Um. No, I did not have anything else for this moment, so guys. So, so first of all, the way they introduce this scene, there's a befuddled anchor man, um, and part of it is they scroll like fake YouTube comments on a YouTube video. My favorite of which was a woman saying, "Oh my God, gags! I love you. I want to have your babies." Um, there's the uh, intrepid reporter describes 
the region of Green Bay this is happening as, and I quote, a quiet little area of Green Bay that nobody ever paid attention to. Which I was from that region. I'd say, fuck you, lady. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, um, a couple of my other favorite things. Um, we see footage of a nude man in a clown mask being forcibly arrested. Uh, um, the way yeah. they set up the shot with the intrepid reporter is in the background, like, blurry. There is some sort of demonstration going on. And, like, the people are, like, happy and cheering. And someone has a sign. And I can't read what it says, but there's some words and a heart. No joke, I think it may say, I heart gags the clown. Um, they also... So, <laughs> this scene reminds me very much of, like, that last part of Ghostbusters where they're going up to the top of the building. Yeah. And all those people are there cheering them on for no discernible reason. That That... That was like a poorly executed version well, of that, yeah. I think. Well, it, yeah. It, it looked like the townsfolk cheering on the high school football team when they come home from winning a state title. That's what it looked like. I don't uh -huh. know why. We don't see them. Um, and among the people they interviewed, my favorite was a very hipstery man, because this was filmed in 2016, after all. And he references, uh -huh. he no joke references killer clowns from outer space, which I thought was a little un yeah. unnecessarily cheeky when your film also sucks. Oh, there is a much more ham-fisted reference coming up, and I wanted to see if you caught it, but we'll talk about that when we get there. I see. So, within the first eight minutes, we cut to the cops, and we already have uh, Barney Five, cop number two, giving way too much credence to the rumors, uh, way more than is necessary, and he starts getting jumpy about the whole thing. Yes, he turns out to be right that this is a real thing, but can you imagine... Well... I guess you don't have to imagine it. Cops do this kind of shit all the time. But just think about when this was really happening, if one of the cops in the area was just in his car with his partner, like, I don't know, this could be a real evil clown, man. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The 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 main takeaway from the, the male cop in this first bit of dash cam footage is that he is a massive coward. Um, yeah, he's a huge pussy, uh, to borrow the movie's phrase, and also just dumb as fuck. And, uh, he is Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, basically. Not There's actually another character later that I think is an even more Scooby-Doo character, but we'll get to that. Um, this is also mm. around the time where we first see the three youths riding around. Um, up to no good, yeah. one of them has a clown costume on. Includes a line, one of them, Sarah says of uh, the reporter, she's so pretty. Uh, yellow hat douche says, ha, I'd totally bang her. So. Yeah. So after we cut to after we cut away from that scene, we finally meet right wing podcast douchebag. Oh boy, what I, I get the sense. So that he's this... on his <laughs> he's on his YouTube podcast because of course it's a fucking YouTube podcast. Yeah, that's accurate. And he's excoriating gags for spreading baseless fear <laughs> while simultaneously talking <laughs> everyone into a frenzy about how this guy is a huge problem. And, of course, he concludes that the only logical solution is for the cops to lock him up, despite him at this point. There's no evidence he's committed any kind of crime. Yeah. But he is calling on the cops to crack down on Gags the Clown. Yeah, he rants about Gags. My favorite quote of his in all this was, uh, his arrival has me pissed. Definitely yeah. something that a normal Which human being something... says. Uh-huh. Which is a thought I've never had, despite feeling that emotion many times. Yeah. Um, uh, also we cut back to the reporter who I think another great demonstration of just what a, a, a two dimensional stock character she is 
she cares way more about the buzz the story might create than what's actually going on. Again, just just get Courtney Cox to do it. What else is she doing these days? If you're going to rip off that character, that obviously. Um, did you catch... Were you going to mention the house party? This is around the time yes, we first uh, see the house not, party. Not, yeah. in not in detail. So whatever you want to say about that, you'll have free reign. But 15 minutes in, we see the first classic horror movie party with a bunch of drunk teens because yes. you have to have one there. Right. A setup that is a classic horror movie setting that was abandoned almost immediately. We're at this party for like three minutes. Yeah, not... And then it just <laughs> goes away. There's this scene and then a montage and then the party ends. Um, I, yeah. I, I describe this as a 2016 looking house party. Um, they do a prank where they put a litter box in front of a guy's face. Um, they, there's a, they hear a bang and they look out the window and we actually have our first organic gag sighting. He's in the background, but then clown friend, um, runs, runs up and, uh, the host of the party who we never see again after this scene starts freaking out because she hates clowns. And that's pretty much all that happens. Yeah. Really no fucking need for, for that scene at all. Oh, the other thing, completely unnecessary. The other thing I was going to mention, it's implied that these are teenagers. They look at youngest 25. I know I'm picking nits, but and all (laughs) in somebody's apartment, no adult supervision, all have brought just ridiculous amounts of just way more freedom than any real teenager has ever had. Yeah. Yeah. And that's coming from us who did some real stupid shit in high school. So we hit the 20 minute mark here and we cut back to right wing podcast douchebag. He has decided with some prodding from his fans to that he's tired of waiting for the police to do anything about this because it's been five minutes since he said that and gag still hasn't been caught so you know if you want something done right you got to do it yourself he's going to go out there and find gags and put a stop to all this with of course a big ass gun yeah and by the way he has also apparently named he has apparently named all of his guns after women um again i get what the movie's getting at there that kind of guy is real and very annoying and unsettling but again subtlety is a word that i think nobody involved in this movie has ever heard of this is the least subtle movie i've ever seen in my life yeah there's um so between between when we we before we get to him um dropping the lady names for his guns there are a few things i i put down that happened so to be clear, you were three sheets to the wind watching this movie. I was just one sheet to the wind. So there's some things you may have missed. Um, so th- we get we go to a shot of the cops, like the main cops in the movie. They're interviewing a ten year old boy, and we don't see any of the setup. And they're asking him if a scary clown offered him candy. Um, the kid clams up, and the lady cop tells this ten year old boy it's a crime to lie to police. Um, which not exactly true and to what end and the kid clams up the cops are pissed the mom's pissed everyone's pissed we get a scene where a car is stopped in the middle of a country road um, and an unrelated cop who we we never see before or after is dealing with this scene Um, he walks up to the car. There's a man in the driver's seat wearing a clown mask. The cop asks him to leave the vehicle. This person is completely motionless. So the cop, of course, pulls a gun on him 
and then just walks off. Yeah. We see the clown exit the car creepily, and that's just the end of the scene. Um, intermittent right. this is all Charles Wright ranting. Uh, we should cut back to the party for roughly 10 seconds. Nothing happens. There's the movie theater uh, scene. Um, it's nighttime. Another unrelated cop, apparently the movie theater has been burglarized. I think that's what we're led to believe. Decides that right. like, it's a so it's a dark movie theater that's not in operation at the moment. And she decides that the best way to handle this is to not turn on any of the lights and just wander around in the dark. Uh, she gets right. She's walking around with her gun pulled. Gags walks up on her. She doesn't even fire a shot at him. She's presumably dead. Um, also, the uh, intrepid reporter and her uh, the goofball assistant are driving around and they discuss crackheads for a little while. So that's what so, I have for that. Yeah. Uh, another, uh, after the, uh, we get to the women uh, named guns, we have another uh, feature from Intrepid Reporter interviewing a real life lady who is an actual clown. Oh my God. Talking about the, talking about the impact of this. And they made this lady just, again, this is just pure mockery for people who are, I, I mean, which in in the wake of what happened after the viral marketing campaign is just remarkable remarkably uh, insensitive but they made this lady seem like just this sad sack uh childlike person who's just distraught that nobody respects clowns anymore and meanwhile they have her dressed up as a clown and i'm like fuck you yeah <laughs> all right there are people who are actually clowns who actually had their livelihood impacted and you are making them a cartoon character to laugh at and Again, like, missing your own point by a yeah. fucking mile here. A couple things. First of all, that scene to me registered as a horrible attempt at humor, which is pretty much like every yeah. other attempt no, at it humor. Was clearly, it was clearly supposed to be funny, but instead I just read it as mean-spirited and dickish. So, yeah, there's two funny lines in this entire movie. One of them actually just happened, and I forgot to mention, it, it's during the right-wing podcaster's rant about getting his guns when people first starting to encourage him someone gives a comment says he'd love to see charles Wright shoot gags and charles says "Ooh, this comment's popular it's got 14 likes already i thought that was funny um that was very funny yes. i should say right around this time is when Tubi decided to show me six goddamn ads in a row six yeah not short ads either i'm already no. suffering i knew something screw was going to happen when you told me this app was free so I guess I can't bitch that much because at least I didn't have to pay yeah. to watch this bullshit. Look, I look, I, I love Tubi. It's got a pretty solid library and it is 100% free. Yeah, it is ad supported, and sometimes they do that where they cluster the ads really badly. Like they don't give you a two minute ad break more frequently. They give you like a, a six to eight minute ad break or five minute ad break like three times during the movie. So yeah, it's, it's a little strange how they do that. Ultimately I'm a big Tubi supporter. Yeah. But that, that was is an issue. That was too much. Also the, the cry on under so, the, the, the interview for the clown reads real clown, real sad. Yeah. So the next thing I had anything specific to talk about, this is our ham fisted reference. All right. So we're 27 minutes in and this local guy has apparently a picture of the same clown gags well, from decades ago. And he is uh he is talking to intrepid reporter there there to interview him. Alex, did you get what the reference to this whole scene was? Maybe. 
Actually, can I can I mention one thing before? Because there's something I wanted to mention before this. Good. So right before this yeah. scene is the scene where the 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 teen party where everybody's 25 gets busted. This is where we find out that Sarah is the stepdaughter of the lady cop. Um, yeah, mom cop and and stupid teen number one. Yes. There is so many scenes in this movie are like 10 seconds long. We have a painfully, painfully long scene where stepmom, cop stepmom and stepdaughter squabble. That's the other running theme. Everybody's just squabbling with each other constantly in this movie. Clearly, Sarah has... It's it's just the most generic... Like, oh, I'm a rebellious teen. Oh, I'm a lady cop who's also kind to your mom who just wants what's best for you. Yeah. And they go back and forth like that for like six minutes. Yes. Yes. So I just wanted to point out that that happens. And then eventually what happens is Sarah wanders off. Um, but we had to suffer through... Apparently just what this movie needed is some family drama. But then, yes, we get to... Yeah. The antique store with the creepy owner Ralph. First of all, I think this guy is a Scooby Doo villain. This this guy is more yeah. a Scooby Doo character than anybody I've ever seen. And I think I actually don't know what what ham fisted reference this is making. I think I missed it. Okay, so again, I, I don't know if you you are not nearly as familiar with the source material as I am, but you are tangentially familiar with it. Let mm. let me give you a hint. So it's a picture of the clown from decades ago, suggesting that it is very old and does this periodically, it was taken oh. at the Bowers and Marsh Family Circus. Is, is this is this The Shining? It's It. Oh, it's It. Okay. Wait, they fucking... It. That's too yeah, much. So Come on. It happens in It with Pennywise the Clown, and Bowers and Marsh were the last names of two of the most important characters. Okay. They so, just punched you right in the face with it. So, let me let me just say to the makers of this film... It's not an homage if it's the thing that you're ripping off, okay? <laughs> you can't do mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Fuck. So, also, here's what I here's what really blows my mind about this reference. So, what I wrote in my notes at the time, because, again, there's the implication that if this is legit, and by the way, we never find out. We never see Ralph or any of this shit ever again. No, no, not if never. If it's legit, it implies that it implies that Gags the Clown has been around for a long time and doing this, and there's something bigger at work here. So what I wrote in my notes at the time is curious to see if that's just a poorly executed wink to the camera, or if any of that is important. Spoiler alert: It was not. Yeah, None of that was important. It was a former, not the. They latter. didn't have to do that. So in this scene <coughs> so intrepid reporter yeah, for the, for the... My next, let me go ahead hang on my my next uh the next thing i wrote 29 minutes in ooh i actually wrote ooh in all caps we have a rival news anchor on the case it's getting catty yeah there's an anchorman storyline but even before slightly before that happens so for the second interview in a row intrepid reporters pissed off i have some questions about uh -huh. like I'm going to get a little bit more later into this movie's sense of time because it's very strange, but the entire movie, it's dark out and it's like a time of year where it's pretty weather's pretty decent. So it's implied to me that it's kind of late when all this is happening. Have you ever seen a news program, like a nightly news program that airs their interviews live and doesn't vet what the people are going to say rather than just recording them previously? That would probably solve their problems. I have just... not. I imagine in, <clears throat> if it were like some catastrophic event that was super important, <laughs> I could imagine that. 
But this is a fucking guy in a clown suit. Yeah, so after their interview ends, because Intrepid Reporter is pretty pissed that that's all this guy has to say. Um, uh, Intrepid Reporter and Ralph argue with each other. He walks away and he calls the Intrepid Reporter, quote, a pissy whore. And I think her assistant says that she deserved that. So, (laughs) and then we get to the thing that you're talking about, which is a new character has entered the picture. uh, Again... Uh, voice of reason is the the, the yeah. cameraman. Like that's <laughs> that's really not a terrible way to describe this lady. Um, so yeah, we have a rival news anchor. Uh, exact same character, really. Like yeah. same fucking person. Yeah, I think this one hundred percent just that exact archetype. I think this one's name is Rebecca, and she's Latina. That is the yeah. only difference between the two of them. Yeah, and she is from a rival channel. And uh oh. Uh, Rebecca's got intrepid reporters scooped. Oh boy. Uh, we'll see a little bit more of that later on, but, uh, so they, uh, intrepid reporter and her, uh, cameraman discuss just how fucked they are on the, uh, the way out of the, as they leave in the car. Yeah. Um, so I've got nothing else until about five minutes after that. Alex, did you have anything in between what, what any was interstitials the, to add? What was the next scene that you have? So I had uh, 34 minutes in. Uh, they discuss, this is where they first reveal that uh, Intrepid Reporter is getting scooped by Rebecca. Uh, also, this is where they start uh, showing some clips from elsewhere that suggest that the powder in the balloons puts people in homicidal trances. Okay. So here were the next things that I had, and you can just stop me when I when I catch up with where you were. Um, the the teens yeah. all find each other down the street after the party breaks up. Um, it, this is where we kind of find out that Yellow Hat Douche and Sarah are dating each other, but he is a massive prick. He suggests they all drive around all night around the city, scaring people. Yeah. Um, that one, I didn't think even deserved commentary. No, that I, was just a poorly designed I, attempt to... Yeah, I wrote down literally everything, which, uh, it was a mistake. My hand hurt at the end. Um, next scene I yeah. had was Intrepid Reporter and her assistant are in the car mumbling about nothing. They see the guy from scene one, want, like, stumbling around, coughing up blood. Uh, they start laughing at him. Then they say they're gonna stop to talk to him, but that never actually happens. Um... They cut to the teens. Yeah, no, they th- they just think he's drunk. They cut to the teens further laying out their plans. They leave. Um, they go to another new unrelated cop. Did you get this scene down? Because this scene has... I didn't have anything for this. This yeah. scene has the other... I, I saw... I mean, I didn't have anything for this. This scene has the other funny line of the movie. So there's another cop that is at a random lady's house. This lady is saying that her daughter was out with her friend looking for the clown, came home covered in white powder. This is kind of where we start learning. They're hinting a little bit more about the powder. But her daughter says right. that there's another daughter. There's the daughter who's in the bathroom, and then there's like a 10-year-old daughter who's standing off to the side recording this on her phone. Mom says that the 12-year-old daughter was out looking for the clown and came home covered in white powder, and the younger daughter says, it was cocaine. That made me laugh. Um, yeah. So the older- I love that. So actually what my joke was here is because we're, we're – Basically catching up with where I, I am now. Mm-hmm. So you've got this white powder that puts people in homicidal trances and makes them maybe uh, murder people. So it's just PCP, Ben. Well, that, that's all that's in that's all that's in those balloons. It's just angel dust. That's all and, it is. And uh, uh, put a pin in that because there's a, a 
reference that is now dated that we're going to get later in the film that that's semi-related to what you just said. But what we're told yeah. is that the daughter refused to leave the bathroom. She's in a trance. She grabbed a pair of scissors. Cop walks up and just opens the door. It's not locked. The, this mom called the cops for a daughter being in the bathroom, refusing to come out when the door's not even fucking locked. Um, the daughter then pushes it closed. The cop calls for backup, um, which seems like an overreaction. Then the daughter appears with her face half covered in blood. We hear screams. The scene ends. And that's all we hear of that. Um, that's when uh-huh. we get back to re- intrepid reporter and assistant in the car again, this time eating fast food. Is this where you were at? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, they find out that Intrepid Reporter is getting scooped by Rebecca by getting an interview with the right-wing podcaster, because by now, this has gone kind of viral, that this right-wing podcaster is out there going to confront Gags the Clown. Intrepid Reporter finds out about this and finds out that Rebecca is actually getting an interview with uh, Charles Wright, our douchebag. Yeah. And during this conversation... A nod to the idea that maybe this whole thing could just be a publicity stunt for a terrible low-budget horror movie. Mm-hmm. Which demonstrates more self-awareness than I thought this movie right. had. When Intrepid Reporter is on the phone with her uh, producer. So, of course, like everybody else in the movie, they start squabbling with each other. It gets very heated. Um, I made a note. I don't think a single person in this movie actually likes any other person in this movie. And I don't remember if this is where I texted you and said, are we supposed to like anybody here? But it's, that's when I really started to wonder. Um, So yeah, the producer pulls intrepid reporter off the gags beat and she is now mad for some reason. The scene ends with her screeching loudly. And of course she's been talking about how stupid this whole thing is the whole time, giving the impression that she would rather not be on the gags, the clown beat. Yeah. Now suddenly she gets pulled and she's just extraordinarily angry. She explains herself so a the, little bit more on this later, but it it doesn't make it make much more sense. Yeah. So here's what I have next. Uh, we're at that whole thing took about ten minutes. We're at forty two minutes is what I have next. That's when the uh, three stupid teens get to the carnival, or uh, no, this is before the carnival. This is when they uh, really start scaring people. With the clown costume. Did you have anything before that? Yeah, I have that. Um, We go to the rival reporter interviewing Charles Wright. Um, they play a clip of him openly threatening murder on the air. And the most puzzling thing about the scene to me <clears throat> was they, instead of just showing the interview, they keep cutting to surveillance footage from various bars watching, um, watching this interview on the TV. Uh, and like not even that closely, <laughs> like just kind of half watching. Yeah. A- and that, that led me to a point I made. There are at least a hundred extras in this movie. I don't know where the fuck they found all these people to just wander around and oh, appear there's, on screen. There's probably close to two hundred. Yeah, um, we get a lot. A, a constant theme with Charles Wright. Uh, they make a lot of Islamophobic comments. We get a few more. Uh, I got another round of ads. <laughs> um, the interview ends, and uh, right wing douches producer says some super sexist shit for no reason. Um, yeah, that's when we get to the montage, and my. We get there's like a montage of the teens going around scaring people, and my favorite part, how it opens before you know what's going on, is it's just like it's around the corner of a building, and you just see a man sprinting as hard as he possibly can, and you don't have any idea why he is why he's doing it or what's mm-hmm. happening, and that that's what leads us into the montage. There's like an old man who nearly kicks clown friend's ass, and unfortunately that doesn't happen. 
but they're having a ball. So yeah, here's this this is this is where I pick back up is when uh, stupid team number three is about to get the shit kicked out of him. Again, you are losing your self awareness completely here because you're giving us all the great reasons not to do something like this, but you fucking did this for your marketing campaign. Yeah. This whole movie is about all the various ways that could go badly, and you still fucking did it. And, and again, keep in mind, this was, I think, rewritten after that all happened, too. So, yeah. Yeah, that's what makes it worse. Yeah. This slice-of-life shit is really insulting, considering they caused all of it. Mm. It would be like Dick Wolf murdering somebody and then using that murder as a storyline for Law & Order SVU. It just, it doesn't hit the exactly when you're doing it. So, yeah, uh, next thing I've got is about four minutes later when uh, Asshole Friend uh, finally goes full clown mode and uh, encounters those cops. Do you have anything uh, specifically to talk about there? Um, yeah, so they go to this restaurant. Again, I think we're, we're supposed to assume the reason they're there is for a burglary, but it's never made clear. Once again, it's pitch black. They don't turn any lights on. We see a tipped over chair and a small pool of blood. They hear rustling behind a door. They enter, and it is asshole friend. Um, he turns around, seems to have... I'm not sure what's implied. It looks like he has clown makeup on, but I guess it's blood or he's mutilated himself or something. It's not entirely clear. I think you're supposed to think that their faces are just turning into that. Yeah, it's very strange. I, I think it's just like a natural, like change in countenance after you you've become uh yeah clownified so he he turns around at the cops he walks at approximately 0.0000001 miles per hour towards the cops and so male cop just blows him away <laughs> yeah so without a second here's thought how he, blows him away. he walks <laughs> imagine the worst hangover you've ever had you getting up to pee in the morning that's how yeah. fast he moved it's no good um, and they're very nonchalantly shoots him. They turn around, he gets back up and creepy carnival music starts playing from somewhere and he escapes. This is a theme we will see the calliope. Yes. yes. There is a, again, could you, could I put more ham in your fist right now? Yeah. Like that, that is just the most heavy handed shit. Yeah, the, this creepy calliope is supposed to signify to, I guess, those around that something a little weird and supernatural is happening. Yeah. But my takeaway from this is, and I quote from my notes, apparently we have clown zombies. Yes. Yeah. And we get surveillance footage of the alley where the, the lady cop is running after uh, uh, asshole zombie asshole friend. We briefly see a shot of gags. Uh, 49 minutes in, three minutes later, uh, we cut back to in uh, our intrepid reporter, our intrepid news anchor, and her cameraman, uh, where she decides that, no, you're not pulling me off this fucking clown assi assignment. I'm going to chase uh, our right-wing podcaster, Douche, for the express purpose of trying to catch him murdering the clown. <laughs> yeah, so... Not to do <laughs> anything or to stop him from doing it, I'm just going to get it on film when he does. Yeah, so... Again, if you knew the media was like this, why did you do what you did with the marketing campaign? 
So, yeah, this this scene was maybe the most egregious example of the assistant being the voice of reason. Because they start off with him being like, why are you so mad? I'm like, yeah, why is she so mad? That's a good question. Yeah, what the now, fuck, man? something quickly before that. And um, it's not a consequential scene in a vacuum. But there, there's something that I want to discuss. The scene immediately before this is when we cut back to the teens. And Yellow Hat Douche brings over a flyer for a carnival. Which just so happens to be occurring right now okay two things on this first of all this when it really dawned on me this movie has the most bizarre sense of time as i said before this clearly is all taking place in a time where it's like decent outside it all happens in the dark but it's been dark this entire this time. entire time and like a bunch of stuff has happened so some time has passed so it had to. It have is been... at very least eight o'clock at night at the beginning of this movie. Yes. So a bunch of stuffs happened. It was nighttime when we started, and all this has happened. There's still there's still news reports with live interviews going on in the air, and there's a carnival which is still open, and they still have time to make. What time is yeah, it, and at, what at time of point... year is this? How much time has passed? I cannot fucking get my bearings of what is going on i this this see, movie has the most insane this, sense of time see my sense of this at this point before they hit the carnival because i remember thinking my sense of time tells me it's like 10 30 at this point yeah and i'm like they're like let's go to the carnival i'm like what fucking carnival is open at 10 yes! 30 so that's the first thing the second thing so you're dropping now that there's a carnival happening in this movie and like nobody has mentioned it in the context of the fact that there's all these clowns around like yeah maybe it's not the mm -hmm. answer and like maybe people had ruled it out already but like nobody's given a second thought to because like the carnival doesn't happen all the time carnival is like a, a, a once or twice a year thing am i wrong about this I mean, depends on the carnival. Like, there might be, I guess, two carnivals well, come through a city in a year. But yeah, all, a, a specific carnival will only come yes, around once as, a year. As, and every town has, what, two carnivals tops yes. per, per year? Unless you're fucking New York City. And further evidenced by the fact that they need a flyer. Green Bay's not that big of a city. That the teens didn't know no. about it until they saw the flyer. So it must be an occasional thing. And, like, it hasn't crossed anybody's mind that, like, maybe the carnival's involved. Bullshit. I, and so it, it's at this point that I look down at my phone and I see that despite 10,000 things happening already, this movie is barely halfway over. And I get up yeah. and I go to the kitchen and I make myself a vodka and squirt because I realize I'm going to need it to get through the second half of this movie. But You yeah. need the spirit of our great-great-grandma Eileen uh, guiding you through this. God, I'm sweating. That really, that really put me over the edge yeah. for whatever reason. But... Yeah, so that really grinds I, my gears. Yeah, but yeah, intrepid reporter and assistant. Um, yeah, to to your point about intrepid reporter, like being like curiously fixated on just the the right wing podcaster murdering somebody. She calls that possibility a one in a million exclusive and a worldwide news story. Are we sure about that? <laughs> Either of those? <laughs> um, like, yeah, that would be kind of a news story. But is it a worldwide news story? Um, it seems like 
Intrepid Reporter doesn't have a very good grasp of what news is. This is sort of maybe her her whole issue. But yeah, she says she no. wants to catch him in the act of killing. And like, it's also very clear to me, there's no protagonist in this movie. Because the closest thing we had no, was this reporter. No, and she's no a, hero. The closest thing we had was this reporter, and she's a fucking asshole. The next closest yeah. we have is Sarah, who is like an accessory to all the horse shit uh-huh. that these other... These other youths are pulling off. Anyway, that's what I had for that. So yeah, that's where I'm at there. Like, as as we exit the scene of the uh, intrepid reporter deciding that she is indeed going to catch this uh, right wing podcast douche nozzle uh, committing murder, just I I really start to question the intention behind this whole thing. Yes. So I didn't have anything for another four minutes. You've probably got something in between. Uh, where I pick back up in my notes is the hospital when we first see the hospital. Um, yeah. So what I had, they cut back to Charles Wright. He's still looking for gags. They've got a new photo of gags, one that he thinks is legit. We go to the teens at the carnival. Uh, they have lost their their clown friend, which makes them, as I would describe, mildly distressed. Uh, he walks uh-huh. up. He walks up eating cotton cat cotton candy. He says he had to ditch the costume because they wouldn't let him in otherwise. Um, Yellow Hat Douche is surprised and weirdly angry about this. Um, yeah. this is um, Yellow Hat Douche, you're starting to see, is a much worse guy than he was made out to be earlier. Yes. Um, and it, it doesn't get any better from here either. Um, no. So the, the cops, when the hospitals come up, I have it like when, when the cops are just standing there talking and they mention the hospital. Is that where you're at? No, I, I am at when they actually get to, so it's 53 minutes, and it's I did have that uh, first thing in, but uh, I picked back up when they actually get to the hospital. Um, yeah, the next thing I had, and, and maybe we're, we're skipping around, because I actually don't remember what happens at the hospital, but... Um... So at the hospital, it's when they, they find out that they are reporting more and more cases of oh, other yes. clown yeah. zombie type patients, all yeah, of whom have then disappeared. Yeah, we're at the same point. Yeah, first of all, my fr- then th- this was the first of all. How the fuck is this not the only thing that's on the news? Yeah, is that patients <laughs> are coming people. in as clown zombies and then disappearing? Yeah, where the fuck's intrepid reporter about all this? Fuck the podcaster. Mm-hmm. Like, there's like a medical emergency happening in Green Bay, Wisconsin. But the, the other note I had on this scene, I, I alluded to this earlier, a reference that is now dated. So this was filmed in 2016, mind you. And I want you all to think back to that time about, you know, stories that were popular. Um, and, uh, like, you know, powder dropping on people. They're going completely insane. The, the male cop, the cowardly cop, is standing there reading about bath salts. That really dates this uh-huh. movie. That has not been a topical reference for yep. a while. But at this time, it was. Um, cause you remember the story about the, the guy eating someone else's face. So, um, there's a, right. a painful, uh, attempt at humor reading about that. Um, but yes, they find out that several patients have experienced, uh, a, a similar thing about apparent like clown zombies walking around the city that there's not more alarm about somehow. Yeah. So, uh, stupid teen number three, at this point, we cut back to the carnival and, they find this black balloon there, just, like, next to the merry-go-round. Yeah. 
And the balloon pops, and uh, stupid teen number three then becomes uh, covered in uh, clown powder. Yeah. Uh, he immediately becomes so, violently ill. Yeah, violently, violently. And it's important that you remember <laughs> that for some of the stuff that's coming up here yes. in a moment. This also around the time when we start seeing uh, douche producer, I, I think we're about to get to this, and his uh, douche podcaster and his producer, they start fighting each other for no apparent reason. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the, yeah, the shithead podcaster um, gets some poking and prodding a little bit from his producer, and he apparently takes extreme exception to this, and they both start this ridiculous dick measuring contest that I don't know if they expect us to believe this has been brewing for a while and you're just now alluding to it's it. It's the first we've heard Or of it. that this is something that has just happened in the space of the last hour. I, I'm not but talking... But there is clearly some animosity here. Yeah, I'm not talking about in quality. Not even, not even in the same universe. But the tone of this movie, it reminds me of watching Deadwood. You know how everyone is just like maximally yeah. angry at each other all the time for no apparent uh -huh. reason? That's what this reminds me of. Like, now... That, now podcaster and the producer are in a power struggle why where did that come from <laughs> but we're about to get to yeah you are both very necessary parts of this podcast like yeah. why why are you trying to to do a, a lennon mccartney here and it's about to get a lot worse because we get the big the big scene with podcaster finally meeting gags so i i assume that's the next thing yep. in your notes that's where that's where i pick back up yeah, yeah 56 minutes in uh, they finally find gags in, was it a train depot? I assume that's what it is. They're on train tracks in the middle of nowhere. So yes. Yeah. I just put, they find gags but there's somewhere. There's like, structures and buildings around. So it's, it's gotta be a depot is kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. So they have found gags and they're on Facebook live because this was 2016. So, uh, douchebag podcaster does his douchebag right wing grandstanding, a lot of gloating. Gags does what Gags does, which is fucking nothing. Yeah, stands there. His we, favorite thing. We do not see Gags do more than stand there this entire fucking movie. He, so, he, if you were waiting for that, he, it, it doesn't happen. He could have been a cardboard cutout for all for all I would have known. It, it would have made no difference. We see him move once right at the end of the movie, but. We will have a lot more to say about that, trust me. Oh, yes. Yes, we will. So he starts gloating. Gags still doesn't react. He starts threatening Gags. Gags still doesn't react. He draws his gun on Gags, which somehow he thought he was justified in doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's like... Like, you are streaming this live. Everything you are doing right now involving the firearms is extremely illegal. His callous like, disregard for... Like, he has for, not threatened you in the slightest. His his disregard for life is so callous. Like, early in, when he first starts making the threats when he's back at his home, he says, like, if he even says something stupid to me, I'm going to shoot him. That's murder, man. Like, let's yeah. just... This is yeah. just a guy, you know? And I yeah. get that that's, like, supposed to be part of his character, but, like... But come on. <laughs> and, like... He was just on the news a little while ago saying all this, and, like, no police have been trying to track him down at any point. No. The cops are busy so, going into restaurants uh, and shooting people. Yeah. So the uh, creepy Calliope plays, there's some weird shit with the lighting. 
yeah. that happens. There's yeah. some some stuff that's backlit that wasn't before. I don't know what the fuck that was supposed to be. And then Gags just disappears. Yeah. Here here's a reference for Jack. It reminds me of something that is like a notorious trope for bad shit that happens in wrestling, like bad booking, where like two yeah. rivals there's two rivals and one of which we haven't seen. Um, and like some, one of the other ones will be in a wrestling match and like you hear the other one's theme music and see them at the top of the ramp. And they're so distracted and distraught by this that they get pinned. That's what this reminded me of. For some reason, this carnival music caused podcaster to take his eye off the ball for two seconds. And that's enough for gags to escape. It's very strange. Also got another round of so ads. So gags disappears. So Gags disappears, and his producer starts berating him for not oh killing, my God. killing this guy Dude, he, when he had the chance. He lays into him for, like, a while. It's it's pretty brutal. He calls him a big pussy for yeah. not shooting him. Yeah. Also, this this is around the time where we still see Clown Friend extremely ill, and... Um, uh, but but Yellow Hat Douche thinks it's Jägermeister, so it's no big deal. Uh, he also updates the gang on what is happening with Podcaster Douche. This starts what is a technically an important storyline, but one of the strangest, which is Yellow Hat Douche's inf- like infatuation with fucking with the right-wing podcaster. Am I wrong yeah. about this? Because like, I get he's a bad guy, but for no apparent reason, Yellow Hat Douche is like fixated on how much he so dislikes I, this here's podcaster. What, here's how I read it. This guy is, they're they're trying to hint that this guy is like some kind of narcissistic sociopath. Mm-hmm. And I think, this is charitable, but I think it would make more sense if they were to imply that he was doing this to take the attention away and put it on himself and just, you know, be able to laugh at the fact that he won up this famous person. That's kind of how I read it, but I might have been a little bit charitable. Yeah, it's as good an explanation as any. But yeah, after, after the producer so, just berates the shit out of Charles for a while, Charles says he's going to go, quote, make it right. Yeah. So we're at the one hour mark uh, is where I pick back up. And stupid teen number three, the kid with the clown costume, is obviously starting to go clown zombie mode. Yeah, he's, it, he's very, very sick. Stupid teens number one and two are in the kind of denial unique to truly awful horror movies. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but I mean, it's like there's several of the Friday the 13th and Halloween, especially the sequels that that do this really heavily. And it pisses me off. Just like how nobody is that out of touch with what is obviously happening. Yeah, I get that. The fact that there is somebody murdering a lot of people is very um, hard to process, but at the same time, it's obvious. This wasn't even nearly that high stakes. They're just like, oh, our friend is really, really sick. Oh, no, he's not, because I don't want him to be. Yeah, my, my favorite... It, it de- just it really, really pissed me off. My favorite detail is that Yellow Hat Douche says he apparently gave him shrooms to try and calm him down. <laughs> I forgot about that. And then they see podcast so, douche right on the side of the road and, and, and Sarah doesn't stop. That's all you need to know for now. Yeah. So he is trying to chase down gags to save <clears throat> his reputation because apparently Facebook is also telling him he's a huge pussy for not just murdering <laughs> this guy. Like yeah. apparently he's getting ripped to shreds in the comments section for not doing something that is just extraordinarily illegal and wrong. 
So intrepid news anchor number one decides, oh, we're going to continue following this guy. Um, stupid teen number two, uh, yellow hat uh, douche, pressures uh, stupid teen number three, who is at this point literally coughing up blood. Yes. He's trying to pressure him into playing gags oh my with God. the clown <laughs> costume to fuck with the podcaster. So, like, they all can, they're starting to converge. Like, yes. all three of these main groups, or four of these main groups, sorry, are starting to close in on the same location. Because um, right-wing podcaster has an idea of where he's going to go. Once they're there, the stupid teens, again, decide they're going to fuck with this right-wing podcaster and their friend who is, like, actively dying. Yeah, he's Like, too- I'm imagining <laughs> a car with, like, you, me, and Jack John, and one of us is in this condition. We cannot get to the hospital fast enough. Yeah, but these kids are like, no, no, no. We gotta fuck with this guy first. Yeah, cop, fr- uh, uh, clown friend is too sick to even put his costume on. Um, Sarah wants to take him to the hospital. Tyler says that is quote stupid and insists they go fuck with this podcaster. They squabble for a bit. Sarah says they're leaving, but clown friend half dead says that he wants to go through with it. And yellow hat douche's commentary is dicks before chicks. Sarah storms off. Yellow hat douche. Yells at her this completely unnecessary <laughs> add-on, yes. which is that he says he got what he wanted from her, another V card to add to the collection. This whole movie is a competition to see which character is the least likable. Yeah, so they're just... That's the thing. They didn't set up Yellow Hat Douche as a douche the way they did with, like, the, the podcaster or yeah. even the news anchor at moments. They just started him as a normal kid and just took him on this downhill slide. Yeah. Like you're, you are the worst person in this movie somehow. Yeah. Yeah. So we are at, uh, this is an abandoned mill is where they're all converging. And I pick back up where intrepid anchor shows up to the abandoned mill where the stupid teens and the podcasters have converged. The podcasters inside already start encountering uh, calliope music. Wonder what that could mean. Oh, boy. Ham meat fist. Yeah. Um, the stupid teens uh, see children in clown zombie mode and collectively shit their pants. Yeah, I think Yellow Hat Douche stupid... specifically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, stupid teen number two, or Yellow Hat Douche, uh, while running away from the aforementioned children and in full clown makeup, runs up near the podcaster's uh, at which point Charles Wright then uh, shoots him just directly in the chest. <clears throat> yeah. So there's we should we, there's some stuff to talk about here. Um, yeah. So I mentioned before that, look, I don't know what was originally in this script and what was not. But if you recall, when we talked about the clown panic on this show, something that actually happened in real life was that there was a group of teenagers, actual teenagers, not these 25-year-olds in, in this film, but like 15-year-olds, who had been kind of riding around their neighborhood, goofing off, wearing clown masks, just fucking around, and one extremely overzealous guy shot a 15-year-old and killed him. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know for sure whether that's why they put this in, because they wanted to reflect reflect real life. But first of all, if that's the case, fuck off. That's the first thing I want to say. Yeah, about that, that was your fault. Yeah. Yeah, that was your fault because you wanted to promote this movie, 
that you have now made this a part of. And and the second thing, yeah, it's you can't really wag your finger at people for acting this way when you have engaged in that exact behavior. And so, the other thing is that okay, let let let's let's take the more charitable interpretation. Let's say that the filmmaker is including all this to make this all a commentary, like using the real life experience about how insane people got and how much they overreacted and trying to satirize that. Well, here's part of the problem with that is if you want to make a point out of that by having this teenager get killed for no good reason, they spent the entire movie building this particular teenager up to be an abusive, immoral piece of shit. And now, we're supposed to like you're you're going to get on your soapbox about this kid getting killed like did he deserve to get shot to death no but like why why would you build him up to be like as horrible of a little cretin as he was yeah. it's like horror movies do that all the time like the worst teenager you set up and they're going to get killed and you're supposed to cheer it on but in this movie you're also right. supposed to like they're making a moral point about how bad it is that the teenager got killed get your story straight as much as i hate to say it because I didn't want to see this character die, do you not think that the point would have been made, really, either of the other two teens getting killed, like the kid who is exactly. just stupid, or Sarah who is like a decent kid, they had to pick like the, the horrible little cretin to make this point with. The, mm -hmm. the ethics of this movie are so convoluted, and more on that in a second. Um, but I did want to... So, I did, uh, I, I did also want to say, but leading up to the shooting... Um, there's some, when Heather and, uh, uh, in, when intrepid reporter and her assistant arrive on the scene, um, there's some stuff, uh, she calls, um, she is getting back on calling the assistant a pussy a bunch of times. Um, they're wandering around aimlessly. There's a scene where the audio is fucking horrible, but intrepid reporter, I think makes a joke about queefing. Did you catch that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't tell exactly I, what that was. I don't know. And I was like, I why is the audio so bad? Why is that so low in this sequence alone? Yeah. So after uh, podcaster douche Charles Wright shoots stupid teen number two, he then reveals that, oh, all my Marine combat experience was bullshit. I never actually killed anybody before. Yes. Okay. I'm glad podcaster you mentioned Podcaster number two starts calling him a fraud and a coward yes! for this. He calls him, and I quote, a pathetic fucking coward. And that's where... The ethics of this movie are so convoluted because I mm -hmm. there's I I want to try and understand this that there's a very like I, I for lack of a better word like kind of a lib sensibility of like right. you know right wing shitheads like Charles Wright they talk all tough but ultimately it's all talk and it's pointless and I get I get that on one hand but on the other hand follow that train of thought to its logical conclusion. Like, would you rather that right-wing podcast douche would have, like... It's, it's worse <laughs> that he never killed anybody? Like, that he, that he would That's have actually... Like, that he did what he actually said he did at the beginning of the movie, which is that he killed, like, countless Arabs? Is that better to you? Yeah. <laughs> so, I kind of get it, but so, you gotta think these things through. So, yeah. Also, by the way, uh, Mr. Producer... Uh, 
it's never established what you did during wartime. True. So, like, what, he's a coward and a pussy because he never killed anybody in the war? What did you do? Like, it, it yeah. establish that backstory if you're going to go there, I think. Yeah. Um, right, right, so wing the podcast cops douches, right wing podcast douches uh, um, reaction to this is he starts blaming the producer and the producer reminds him that it's on video, which is a good point. They hear the cops and then they flee the scene. Yeah. So the cops show up and mom cop stumbles upon stupid teen number two and recognizes, oh, shit, that's my stepdaughter's boyfriend. Yeah. OK, so. Maybe you're going to maybe you're going to cover this, but something to note, and I'm going to have I'm, I'm going to have a genuine rant, I think, on this in a bit. But just to, like, lay the framework. So this cop has showed up and sees a teenager's body. And yes, she does recognize it as her stepdaughter's boyfriend. But while she's running around trying to find who did it, she the entire time is trying to call her stepdaughter to tell her this. Here's an idea. Maybe solve the crime first and tell your stepdaughter later. He's like, what is possibly the rush to to tell her right this I second mean, that her I boyfriend's guess, dead? I I guess maybe she's thinking that her that she must be here somewhere and she's also in danger. I guess. But I mean, surely surely she would realize that by this point. Yeah. Like yeah. if if they genuinely are in danger, surely her stepdaughter has figured that out and has either fucked off or is in bigger trouble and can't answer the phone. Yeah. So, yeah, there's just not a whole lot of reason for that. Um, the podcast uh, podcasters at this point have split up and our producer runs into stupid teen number three, the oh clown kid who has at this point gone full clown zombie. Again, nothing burger of a scene, really. Yeah, he uh, says in a deep voice, it, it, the, show's, there. the show's about to begin. The producer has time to make a, a terrible quip, and then he runs away. So the reporter, uh, intrepid reporter, and her camera guy stumble into this creepy big top in the middle of this mill uh, with Calliope playing in the background. The tent is filled with clown zombies who are doing yeah. nothing but sitting on the pews and staring straight ahead. Yeah, they turn around and they look at intrepid reporter and the assistant. And I want you to remember that little detail that they turn around and look mm -hmm. at the assistant. We're going to come back to this very shortly. And her response is. Yeah. Don't say anything. Yeah. Be quiet. <laughs> Instead of what any smart person's response, which would have been. Nope, 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 nope. Yeah. Turn around and run and the leave. fuck out of there. Especially considering. And I just, this didn't even cross my mind until now. What do we know about the clown zombies here? They like it's spreading through a powder in Gags' balloons, and he's clearly trying to create some sort of grouping of them. They never seem to have any intention of like killing anybody or doing anything at all. So unclear what kind of threat they are at this point, other than being creepy and weird. Yeah. So, um I run back into we cut back to mom cop here. Oh fuck. I'm going to have a rant. Go go ahead and say what happens in this scene. I've got a rant. So, Mom, all I have is she is apparently killed by an unseen force. There is so little explanation to what happens here. Yeah. There is a millisecond is shot of gags. A millisecond. But that's it. Okay. And and the, the important takeaway here. 
So what I have is Lady Cop still running. We get a millisecond shot of gags. Something loud happens. Lady Cop's dead on the floor. So as we mentioned, she had been trying to call Sarah this entire time. Sarah picks up at that exact moment and starts to, of course, berate her stepmother. Scene ends. So, this storyline with cop stepmom and teen stepdaughter being upset with each other. Have you ever, in your entire life, seen a storyline as undeveloped as this? We get a... Not really. We get a painfully long scene early in the movie where they bicker back and forth. We never hear about it again until this moment when the cop mm-hmm. dies and her daughter picks up the phone and starts berating her. What was the point of this? What are we supposed to take away yeah. from all that? Is there supposed to be some kind of emotional appeal? We meant they mention it twice. Is it supposed to be like an after-school special about being nice to your stepmother? Otherwise, she might get killed by an evil clown. What the fuck was the point of including this? We, it would have it would You have could say this. that about so many things in this it, movie. It did. So many things were completely unnecessary. It did nothing. It added nothing. It wasted time. There's What was the point of this storyline? We hear about it Getting twice. Getting the movie up to 90 minutes, I think. Oh my God, that pissed me off. <laughs> like, what, yeah. what What? What? were we supposed to feel at the end of that? And also, again, every character in this movie is a piece of shit. I don't have attachment when yeah. any of them die. Yeah, and see, the thing, Mom Cop and Sarah, really the only two decent characters in the movie, and you're going to make their unresolved, unnecessary conflict how we end that? Yeah. Like the if we were gonna feel what anything, are you doing? If we were gonna what feel are you, what are you doing? If we were gonna feel anything about that storyline, then you have to mention it more than twice. It's it's a callback at this point. So that yeah. that really rubbed me the wrong way. So, so Lady Cop's dead. That's the <laughs> fucking takeaway there. Lady Cop's dead. Yeah, she's warm food, and the podcasters and cop number two converge in creepy big top yeah now so first of all more squabbling occurs um including this a series of overreactions of the entire thing i got some exact quotes there here. is no fucking reason for this the cop co- so what happens basically yeah. is podcast producer or podcaster sorry goads the producer into shooting him. Yeah, okay, hold as on. The, can I, he can and I... the producer are going back and forth about this, and I'm sure Alex has more to add about that exchange. I, I, I must say, I am begging you to let me describe how this sequence plays out. Yes, please do, because that's I all got, I've got specific-wise. Got, because I went back and re-watched this ending sequence to make sure I didn't miss anything. It's the most You're a braver man than I. Surreal. Because, <laughs> like, look, I texted you when this was all over, and I said in, uh-huh. in the heat of the moment that I think I've found an ending that pissed me off more than now you see me. On reflection, that's not true because my expectations were completely different. I knew this movie was going to suck, and a horror movie that sucks never has a good ending. They, 
with how egregious everything in this movie was, I knew they were going to do something stupid. Granted, I was caught off guard by exactly how they did it. I think that's why I got irritated. All right. Yeah. So let's go through step by step, and then we will unpack this. Because not in a million years would I get, would I guess what happens here. Yeah. So as you mentioned, podcasters, they, they, nobody saw it coming. I'll give them credit for that. So podcaster douche and his producer run into the room with the tent. Um, the male cop arrives within seconds and he pulls his gun on everybody. Podcaster douche immediately tries to pin the shooting on the producer. They once again, start squabbling podcaster douche calls the producer useless white trash the producer pulls a gun on him. Now, I'll add, the infected people, who you recall, turned around and looked at Intrepid Reporter, the insistent. They have all gone back to looking straight ahead. And I identified with them in this moment because they also could not be any less interested in, what's, in what all of this is. Um, Let's just stare straight ahead, listen to the calliope, and maybe they'll shut the fuck well, up yeah. here in a minute. And also, to that point, they're staring straight ahead. They're not trying to do anything. So, everybody could just leave right now. But they don't. So, here's how the sequence kicks off. The uh, podcaster calls the producer an inbred yokel. And so the producer responds by blowing his head off. The cop then (laughs) shoots the producer. Intrepid reporter's assistant runs away. Again, as you said, voice of reason. But the intrepid... Uh, The the, only smart person in this whole fucking movie. But the intrepid reporter stays and starts recording herself. Gags then arrives. Creepy music plays. Uh, The cop still has his gun out and is threatening everybody. The infected people get up and turn to face the cop. So you assume something terrible is about to happen to him. And it kind of does. Because yet another black balloon drops from the ceiling and explodes powder on the cop's head. This is the thing that makes the intrepid reporter freak out and start running away. Cut to the outside of the building where the rival reporter is on scene setting up the shot. Intrepid reporter runs out of the building and into the grass, maybe 20 feet away. She stumbles, and she looks up to see none other than Gags standing there. Gags is holding his trademark black balloons. They float out of his hand into the sky. Also doing his trademark nothing. Yeah. Yeah, the balloons float out of his hand and into the sky. We pan up. We pan back down, and Gags is holding a balloon that looks exactly like the intrepid reporter. The intrepid reporter slowly takes it from him. Gags turns and walks away. The first time we've seen him move in this entire film. Intrepid Mm -hmm. reporter then turns around, holding the balloon, starts laughing maniacally. Then she fucking explodes. No joke. She explodes. Yeah, she explodes. Something that has not happened to anybody this entire movie. It was never hinted at that Gags could do this to people. Or would do this to people. Yeah. she Just a completely different method of... Gags' whole thing thus far has been just staring at people menacingly, apparently eviscerating uh, asshole friend, but he's never made anyone explode yes. at any yes. point. But... Nor has he fashioned a balloon that looked exactly like anybody. Yes. This is all completely new. We are seeing all of this for the first time. So Intrepid Reporter explodes, pan back to the rival reporter with splatters of blood on her face. She smirks and tells the cameraman to go live. That is how the movie ends. This movie was fucking putrid. Pat yourselves on the back. 
putrid. So bad. So goddamn bad. A movie that tried... Uh, here Again, I know I've talked about this already, but here's what really, really blows my mind about this movie. It is both the most and least self-aware horror movie yeah. I've ever seen. Because yeah. it makes all of these nods to, hey, here's why <laughs> you shouldn't do certain things. And it had done all of them during the viral marketing campaign. Its its entire thing was, hey, look how something like this could turn people into a bunch of rabid lunatics. You know, like we're gonna do here in a minute when yep. we start marketing this movie. What the... What are you doing? What was the point? What were you trying to accomplish with this? What point do you think you made? It's truly baffling. Like, it, it's a movie that knows exactly what it's doing and then does it anyway. And considering... And I, I, I just want to emphasize this. If you recall when we discussed this back in episode 62, 63, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. No joke. The, the panic that this movie's marketing inspired caused dozens of people, including children, to be incarcerated. And a teenager got shot and killed. Now... Yeah, the actual real-life panic was, I think, way worse than it was in the movie. Yeah. And, like, I want... It's not like the, the makers of this movie could have seen that coming, necessarily, because everyone completely overreacted. But then, to turn around and, like, try and make commentary on the thing that you started is is such a slap in the face. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like you're... <laughs> Look... I understand that maybe your intention wasn't for people to react like this, but you had to have an idea that they would. And you didn't do a whole lot to stop it, either. You didn't come out and say, hey, this is just viral marketing. None of this is real. You don't have to be concerned about scary clowns. No, you sat there and fucking watched it happen. And you wrote notes in your little notebook, and then you wagged your finger at everybody when you did the feature-length movie, despite the fact that you are just as responsible for this as anybody else, if not more so. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> to sum it up, um, one and a half stars out of five, because, as I said, it's not boring, but it, it, it sucks ass, this movie. Everything yeah, it surrounding does. it sucks ass. The movie itself sucks ass. And I, I could not I could not recommend this to anybody unless you truly want to experience some pain. You'll be Yeah. Entertained is not the right word for what you'll be. It will keep your interest the whole time, but like not in a good way. Now, before before we wrap everything up, I wanted to give let's do a little analysis of Gags as a horror character. We made some allusions to this. It's very confusing. So what is Gags even like, okay, for especially a standalone horror movie, or the first in a series, which I hope to God there's not going to be a Gags 2. I, I I think that ship has sailed at this point. Yeah. I think... It's, it's been a while. I think it's okay to, like, leave some mystery, some ambiguity around your 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 creepy, scary movie villain. You don't have to know their entire backstory... And you don't have to know their motive necessarily. So, I actually think that I, 
anybody who's heard me uh, get drunk and rant about the Halloween series knows that something I actually really don't like about horror sequels is when they, I call it getting too <laughs> explainy. Yeah, they absolutely. try and like explain, fill in the gaps, tie up every loose end to the horror character's backstory, like they did with uh, Halloween Six. <laughs> they tried to explain what Michael Myers did and how he was able to do it, and I'm like, no, that's part of what makes him great. Is you don't know. Yes, but you do at least know what he's trying to do. Yes, exactly. You don't have to know their motive, but you you need to know their intention. And what is Gag's intention? What is he trying to do? At the end of the movie, you have no goddamn idea. No. Obviously, he's trying to amass an army of clown zombies who don't fucking do anything. <coughs> but to yeah. what end? <coughs> and and emphasized by the final payoff, the clown zombies are all in one room. Their leader arrives, gags. They turn to face the cop, and what do they do to him? Nothing! What happens to him is the same thing that happened to everybody which is the balloon drops on him. So, okay, Gags is trying to make an army. But like you just said, why? What What are they ever going... We don't see them do a goddamn thing in this movie. Every time one of the well, clowns... Well, and I zombies... guess that's them patterning their actions after their leader, because Gags also doesn't do fucking shit this entire movie. At every All Gags can do... Well, there's a caveat to this. Let me. Every time the clown zombies encounter somebody, they don't even try to do anything to them. Like, they encountered the cops. Fuck, one of the cops shot one of them, and it just walked off. They mm -hmm. Twice, they're in this tent with random people. They don't do anything. They don't even try and turn them into a zombie. They wait until Gag shows up to turn one, but not both of them, into a zombie. Because there are three people in the room who are still alive at that point. There's the cop. There's intrepid reporter. No, no. I, I Assistant ran away. But there... There's there's cop and there's intrepid reporter. He turns one of them into a zombie. And again, nothing. We see we see two people get harmed in any other way in this movie. In scene one, and it's still unclear because I don't think this was was asshole friend. I think this was the other guy. We see something happen where ten gallons of blood get thrown against the car. Okay. Yep. So there's that. And then Intrepid Reporter gets exploded. Those are the only two times we see anything happen other than Powder turning people into clown zombies. So what Gags is trying to do is completely unclear even at the end. He can kill people in very strange and creative ways when he wants to. Why he picked these two out to do it, I don't know. Or for that matter, if it's a moralizing thing about the nature of reporting... The other reporter's there, too. Why didn't he explode her? Yeah. It's all... It's, I, it's I, so... I don't know. I cannot figure this out. It, it's okay that we don't know Gags' origin story, okay? That's fine. But what what is he even trying to do? He's amassing the most useless zombie army in the history of zombie movies. And think about the so... ground that that covers. He's he's recruiting an army of pasty-faced people who sit there politely and do nothing. Is he maybe just recruiting for the Mormon church? <laughs> oh, come on. I was going to say, is this a commentary on what life in Wisconsin is like? Could <laughs> <laughs> be. So, in short. Could very well be. Everyone in this movie is an asshole. There's no character that is completely likable. 
The moral of the story is completely unclear. The villain is like, you don't even walk away thinking that they're that dangerous because the main thing he's doing to people, it's unclear what the harm even is. Mm -hmm. And like every, like, I don't know, man. I, I, I walked away so befuddled by everything that had happened in the last <laughs> hour and 40 minutes. I was completely, completely perplexed. It was a movie that was clearly trying to do something, but it was so ineffective that what it was trying to do is not immediately clear. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Gags the Clown. It's on Tubi. It's a free app. It's a free app. <laughs> uh, did you did you have any? Don't do it. Did you have any final thoughts on on any of this? Yes. Uh, Y'all better be fucking grateful because yeah. this this took it out of me. And by the way, so yeah, that, those are my final thoughts. If I ever, if we ever do a review of either now you see me, we're paywalling it. I'm not doing that for oh, free. Yeah. If this pisses me off this much, yeah. then yeah, uh, yeah. So we've talked about we. There might be whether it's paywalled or whether it's free. Maybe starting to do some reviews of stuff. Here you go, everybody. Here's your preview of how this is going to go. <laughs> I'm sweating. I really hope not everything we review is going to be this bad, but it, it, I don't know. I'm sweaty. It's a Tuesday night. I'm drinking. You know You know what I hope for? I hope, well, I hope just in general that they do more seasons of MST3K. They need to right. deal with this movie. Yes. They need to fucking, do, someone needs to just make fun of this movie mercilessly. Because I want to hear what Crow T Robot has to say about all of these, all of this character development. God. Anyway, is that all? Can we can we end this thing? Yeah, I, I think we can safely uh, stop thinking about this movie forever now. Okay, good. Um, so uh, let's let's go around the horn, as it were, and hawk our shit. Uh, uh, Cody, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me, uh, right here, miserable, thinking about the decisions I made that led me to review this terrible fucking movie, but, uh, also, uh, weekly on Here's a Guy on Spotify, <laughs> Stitcher, and Google Podcasts with Alex and our friend Jack. Uh, Jack's still on paternity leave, but he'll be back before too long. Um, and occasionally, we're supposed to be starting this up again fairly soon on a little, uh, Twitch channel that Alex, Jack, and Pookie and I have been working on called Here's an Adventure. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I am at Son of Gravy for twenty sixty nine. All right, you can find me on Twitter at Turpin for Prez. That's number the Turpin. Uh, Turpin the number four P R E Z. Um, follow the podcast account as well, and it's a particularly good time to do that because, as we discussed up top, uh, March Hagness begins. Um, well, as of releasing uh, the releasing of this episode, it's going to start in a few hours. We will be starting the voting, the Twitter polls for. Uh, the athletes region, so uh, make sure to have your voice heard. Um, and we have a mailbox as well. As well, it's uh, at it's here's a mailbox at gmail.com. Send us any uh, thoughts, commentary, questions, or um, having heard all this, if there's anything that you really, really want us to review, send it to us and explain why. Because um, we wanted if we're yeah, gonna give do us this, an elevator pitch because we're gonna be a little more cautious <clears throat> about this. Yeah, if we're gonna do this. We want to know why. Um, but we will, we will accept, um, suggestions. So, um, yeah, we're going to have a, a, a regular episode coming out later this week, expected to drop on Friday, um, uh, featuring a good friend, John Fleming, who makes his return to the show. And, uh, may I just say a Titanic slate of guys 
like not only are we doing two episodes this week, but we have some heavyweight guys to discuss. Yeah. So do do not miss this one. Don't this miss. It's gonna be a really good one. All right. So um, <laughs> that about brings things to a close here. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Hope to have you again with us next time. Uh, Cody, do you have a tagline for us by any chance? Yes, I do. All right. Well, uh, thank you all for for sitting through this uh, with us. Um, Cody, go ahead and hit us with that tagline, please. Don't watch Gags the Clown. Don't ever watch Gags the Clown. Just don't do it. It's terrible. It's a stupid fucking waste of time. I hate that we did this. Just don't do it. Under any circumstances, ever. Good night, daddies. Here, here.